Welcome to Clutch Kick episode 12, everybody. And we got some news, some uh, some oversight changes, some managerial changes. Josh thinks he's making decisions around here. No more. It's all me. I'm going to be making a lot of decisions. Oh, the oh. context... What were you going to say, This Mike? is going to go to shit real quick. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, but some news for you all as well. The Clutch Kick podcast will be moving next week. So this episode is going to be on the Platchat YouTube. You should be watching right now on Platchat. If you don't know that you're on the Platchat YouTube, get some help. Outside of that... <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that, we're going to be moving to a completely new channel. A podcast so you're watching is on the channel you're currently watching it on. Yeah, you might not know that you are blind legally. Get some help if you can't read. If you don't know where you're actually watching the thing, this right? content. You're blind or you're two, right? Because you can't read. Those yeah, are the only yeah, ways you yeah, wouldn't yeah. know you're on the platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In which case... Get some help. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. So anyway, next 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 episode is going to be on a new channel, and we're going to be pumping out more consistent Valorant content. We figured we'd make a new home for the Clutch or Kick channel, and also we're going to not call it Clutch or Kick anymore because it's terrible for search engine optimization, uh, and instead we're just going to call it Platchat Valorant. Yeah. So there you go. Makes sense. Um, this is a way we can harvest you, Timmy's, through the YouTube algorithm yes. and get you in here and just... <laughs> And also, with ads. you yeah, know, we I know, know about fans, Matt. They love being called Timmy's ripe for harvest. But, but, <laughs> the idea of being harvested, but, but also, harvest there is the Timmy's. a small subsection of our audience that might actually be 10 years of age because they just dislike the premiere of every Clutch or Kick episode, which is perfectly fine. You can keep doing that. Okay. What was that, Matt? No, it's okay. I said it's okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They can keep doing that. It just it helps us with the engagements anyway, you know, just likes, dislikes, subscribes, unsubscribes, whatever it might be. I don't I don't really know how to, the algorithm works. I don't, I don't think unsubscribes help with any kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah, don't unsubscribe. Yeah, unsubscribe I, I, would, I think you would do every one of those but unsubscribe. I think I would I, anyway. I would, I would probably air you in the cotton hush to do that. Let's get the episode started. Clutch will kick episode 12. We're gonna kick things off right away with the new patch notes that got released. Patch 1.09. Mendo had a personal insight into this one, and he was really the driving force behind this patch, um, funnily <laughs> yeah. enough, because it's the, the long-awaited operator nerf patch that we have here. But they made a whole bunch of changes across the board. It's one of the biggest patches we've seen uh, yet, and it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Force name change yeah. for IDs violating the code of conduct is the biggest takeaway from this patch. Yeah, ah! biggest takeaway. Ah! <laughs> no, and now oh it's everything God. that'll actually affect the game. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yo, bless oh, you. I'm good. What have you done? <laughs> I accidentally swallowed saliva. It went down in my lungs. <laughs> Isn't that just like? I'll take it from here. So, so, <laughs> so anyway, about the, anyway, about the ID change. So, what did they? What so, did we start from the top? Struggling to the first on this episode. Let's let's start from the top here. Go. <laughs> From the, not from the whole episode. Start from the first goddamn patch note. <laughs> Restart again. No. Agent updates. Number one. What is the top one? It is Omen, the paranoia. Yeah. Um, updated projectile uh, visual effects to b better yeah. represent the hits. But yeah. the, 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 the hitbox. You like this? Yeah, it is yeah. A good change. I remember. Yeah. I, I remember Josh when we were watching one of the Brazilian games last week. There was a moment where one of the Omens paranoid, and as soon as he did that, we both were like. That is such a strong goddamn ability. It's so broken. Oh, and yeah, I remember the, in that specific... Well, I just... What I was going to say, in that specific instance, what I remember about it was, it looked like it was nowhere near the player <laughs> that it was about yeah. to hit, and they just got yeah. full-blinded. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, Paranoia is an incredibly strong ability, and it's the reason that Omen is actually used primarily over Brimstone now. So, 
I, I think that this was yeah. actually an issue, so nice. Yeah, I, actually, uh, I also think they're going to need to tone it down in the future as well. Yep. I, I think no one's talking about Omen particularly, but he's one of the most, like, he's in every team composition purely yep. because he has this undodgeable flash that goes <laughs> through walls and blinds people. It's like, it's the most powerful flash that's in the game at the moment. Oh, wait, what, what about combat stim? That should make... Uh... Uh, well, we're gonna get to that later. <laughs> Big buff. We're gonna get to that later, aren't we? Because yeah, will yeah, Brimstone yeah. be in the meta with this combat stim change? Who knows? Uh, Word on the street is good. we're getting Hiko on the show to talk it through. Yeah, this yeah. is our quality of life stuff. I think too, just like yeah. from playing the game a ton. Like sometimes you see a paranoia coming towards you, and you're just like, oh yeah, I'm definitely out of the the line of like where it's traveling, and then you just get hit by it, and you're yeah, like, yeah. what is the radius of this thing? It's like it's like oh, the it's whole massive. like, like uh, choke. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, good change. What's the next change that we got? Yeah, just keep just keep them coming, cut. Jet keep flying through them, dog. Jets below. Oh yeah, storm. the jet nerf. The jet right click. Okay, nerf. yeah, the jet right click nerf. So yeah. this is because statistically they were looking and observing at a lot of the kills with the burst fire from the blade storm and seeing that they were getting kills at a large distance away. For me personally, bro, I, I, uh, this is already a wildly inconsistent ability that, in my opinion, <laughs> in ranked. And I think you miss regularly. I don't miss, bro. I know 0.25 my own clips. I'm going Kefri on that shit. I'm going through mm. the clips frame yeah. by frame by frame. I get cheated on a regular basis whenever I play Jet. That's not even. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not joking. I'm not. This isn't funny. This isn't a. Well, bit. this should be better for you then, actually. Yeah. Why? Because because you are more incentivized to only use it at a very close range. So your 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 brain. I'm only is ever using it at a close range. I mean, Bro, I can give you some clips that would literally ruin Valorant. They would, they, they would just take it off the, they would take it off the app store, wherever the fuck it is. I, I don't know. The they would, they would remove it. They would remove it. No, the mobile leak. The app store. Bro, they, they take it out. Odd. Oh, yes, we got. Oh, the, okay, thank this you. video. Thank you, uh, yes. Yeah. Thank God. This we video actually... actually isn't that great, um, because. <laughs> just this specific one like for example this change where they made the empress shoot a little slower like no one gives a fuck about it using it with the odin the important <laughs> thing is trying to control your spray when you're using a rifle yeah so this is just i mean this is just uh, and the same happens with the op as well they just show people running at full speed with the op like that's never how you're going to use the op so uh, i don't know man but it's uh, i've played a bunch of the game to try and get a feel for these changes yes. and they're, they're quite interesting Viper, what um, the heck did they do? They gave her a hundred yeah, well, things at the start. Yeah. Oh, her molly now it makes people vulnerable two seconds after they're out of it. Yeah, they they are doing really they are doing whatever they can to make Viper playable. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is a <laughs> look at her just kind of run. What is this thing with her goo? Transfers into uh, Usain Bolt when she uses the ult. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so she starts the That's round now with the hundred fuel. <laughs> so a lot of the. Uh, like, because they made the change. I think it was uh, 1.08 where they allowed her to put the walls down before the rounds began. But you yeah. didn't have the fuel to keep the wall up for any meaningful amount of time to like push behind. Uh, Let me riddle so you this. this instead of going you the through, to go fast. Yeah. Instead of going through all these changes, at what point did we just say, all right, time for a rework? 
I, I think they should have done that already. In fact, I would have loved yeah. it if they did that like a long time ago. Viper is bad because she puts down her utility at the beginning of the round or at some point during the round, and she can't pick the bad boys back up again. She doesn't have anywhere near the flexibility of the other smokers. And also, she has to stay alive in order for the smokes yeah. to stay up. If it's just like a, a one-two combo of shitness that means you have to play like a lurker <laughs> in like an utterly unflexible position. It's her core design that makes her bad, not how much damage she does if... with her snake bite. They're, <laughs> they're just going to slowly buff this agent until <laughs> some aspect of her kit is broken, but she's yeah. still fundamentally strategically bad. It's, it's the only agent in the game where they have completely missed the mark in terms of she what makes her good or not. She doesn't fit any like niche really, like at all. Well, you you would like, replace uh, her with like a smoker, right? I suppose. But that's one of my biggest issues with Viper yes. is that I often feel hindered by having a Viper on my team. Do you know what I mean? Oh uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's. This is. I I swear, every time we've talked about the latest Viper change, it always <laughs> just comes back to what in a good comp are you taking out to have a Viper? Yeah. There's. And an omen? I, if, I mean, are you kidding me? Look at the run speed. Look at the run speed. <laughs> well, maybe now. Why would they not? She's going. <laughs> like, uh, with like, what's kind of like her uh, de facto smoke? Like, if if it was something where you could have like maybe two charges and you can pick them up or something along those lines, like you still have to throw them, which is a bit of an annoyance. But people would like get lineups. Like, if, if you had that killjoy. Killjoy can literally suck her turret back into whatever pocket she's got from just the like other that. side of the map just by holding <laughs> E. Like how can how can Viper not recall her smoke or recall her wall? Right. If, if these yeah. other people are just I mean, sucking abilities from all the places, if she could recall and... her smoke plus the wall that she has, because the wall is actually like a considerably like long distance, right? It's not like Phoenix Wall where it's kind of short. Like yeah, maybe it's... she becomes like reasonable but i don't know i think she like... might need a rework to be honest like yeah, the, her not... entire kit is quite clunky to use it, i love the concept i love the concept the theme behind this this uh, agent sorry um i just you know it's too clunky you know what i would assume i would assume is that she was one of the first agents they made because you kind of look at her kit and then everybody yeah. else's kit after that and this is so far behind in terms of like where the game is and where it seems to be going that like you you kind of compare her to like even the other smokers right like we kind of meme about brimstone but like you compare her to omen like omen can throw two smokes from anywhere on the map he can teleport he can flash through a wall and then his ultimate lets him go anywhere on the map get information then cancel it and go back yeah. uh like this seems like it was just a character that was designed like initially with like this kind of i, I almost say like standard like kit right uh, she's got a wall, she's got a, a throwable smoke, she's got like a, a molly, like kind of your standards of like what you would have had, and then like an ultimate that just kind of like puts a bunch of gas everywhere, mm -hmm. where it feels like everything else is kind of uh, past her. Almost like Soldier 76 at Overwatch, right? Like everybody else is kind of past him in the same type that. of role. I would, I would compare Soldier 76 and Overwatch to Brimstone because Brim is very much like, it's like the, the CS thing of throwing smokes, except you click exactly on the map where they happen. It's the CS thing of having a Molotov, except it's just a perfect circle with no randomness. It seems like they just took like some of the basic stuff. And so, then it just, in. so then it's but just, so then it's still good. It's, then it's got to be the fact that like her smoke is like just effectively like one charge. She needs the fuel for it. Can't pick it back up. Like, 
And All right, then how it's, about this? It's, well, it's also, I think the key point that Josh made, if you're, if, if you're discussing those two agents specifically, it's that Brimstone puts his smokes down to an execute, and then he can go in for a trade off yeah, the entry. Yeah. But if Viper dies at any point, Everything she just did in that round is now useless. Just, yeah. Blows yeah, up. She's yeah. value over time, a bit like Cypher, but you just can't have your smoker be uh, that kind oh, of agent at the same time. Is... Also, she suffers massively from Sova being in the game. If Sova yes. was not an agent, Viper would actually see some playtime, I think. Yeah. Which is why, you know, there's an argument for hero bands. I was going back and forth with the guy on, <laughs> yeah. on Reddit a couple of days ago. Agent bands. I've got to get this ingrained yeah, in your, agent, in your head. Agent but the the biggest thing that I think agent bands would do is open up more niche hit uh, picks like yeah. uh, like Viper because she at the moment is probably the only agent in the game that has a hard counter. I, I just I think... suffered a feel like where they where she fit in because you look like mm -hmm. you know Brim and Omen. There's obviously like I, okay. a choice between like smokes like is my duelists all have kind of like similar type uh, stuff. Is my here's here's what I think they should do. I think you rework her into a duelist. I think you take away the, the smoke aspect. Hear, hear me out. I'm putting on my game designer hat. You can call me out. Yeah. I don't know this is bullshit, all right? But ultimate, <laughs> imagine she oh, like... Uh, she, she, are, you, are you scrapping all of her abilities to start? Yeah, I, I'm not going to get... I'm not even going to get into her abilities, but here's how I picture the agent as like a duelist, but like uh, yeah, okay. almost like a, a debuffer and buffer duelist? of your team against, against the enemy team. So okay. you, you cast your ultimate... It spreads like shin shin height gas all over the place. Okay, so you okay. know the ultimate's up, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. You you got you follow me so far. Yep. Yes. And when your allies are walking through it, they get buffed. They get like a speed buff, and maybe like a, a damage buff, and they go like rabid. You know what I mean? Like the fucking zombies from Call of Duty. They start going. <laughs> What the like fuck? They, like, they what the fuck would crazy. you do to this game? And your your <laughs> enemies, your enemies yeah. get not slowed down because I hate slow mechanics. But I think your enemies would just be sh shit scared. To be honest, with the concept <laughs> yeah, of, I, I, I would the concept of your team her. getting buffed up. I also I would not want to see her go the direction of a duelist. I think I think put her in put her more in the direction because I think there's there's other duelists that they probably like have in the works or are gonna like actually release that have proper kits done already instead of just trying to come up with one i think she fits way more in the cypher killjoy type of area than like a duelist uh or me i mean i'm trying to think of like any other type of like agent you would want like you it would take a a massive do-over to turn her into somebody who kind of like gathered information like a sova like where i don't even know yeah. if like the, the idea of like her name even being Viper would okay. make sense oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. after that. Like, dude, I just thought of a buff for the ultimate. Uh, well, when it's out, before. the enemies periodically cough, so they give away their positions. <laughs> oh, like, so I have an idea. I have an yeah, idea. Yeah. So, what if for the Viper alt to give away the positions of the enemies, they had a red outline? Anybody? <laughs> anyone? What about? No, well, no, but like, idea. but the the hey, idea behind the ultimate is why don't we give her an attack dog? The, 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 <laughs> the idea of the ultimate would be it spreads over a very large area of the map, so you cover a lot more. And if somebody's trying to hold, the corner, they yeah, go. trying to hold <laughs> on sight, <laughs> they okay. cough. 
Right. Okay, so it'll, 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 it'll extend you, everywhere. Yeah, it'll, it'll extend like spawn. most places. Your team okay. gets buffed. Like that would be Viper right. as a genuine jeweler. When you're looking because... down smoke, you have to hold your breath like the old COD games. Or like... <gasps> but yeah, then right. you're more likely to cough. And when you cough, that... your aim shakes. Yeah. <laughs> is, anyone yeah, else, yeah. Uh, is anyone else kind of scared that like they may not do a rework and just kind of continue going down this path of just what, buffing her until Josh she's playable? But, what Josh right. was saying, that's, and then, yeah. yeah, and then I guess the fear is that like she is super good, you need her, but she just kind of doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, awesome. yeah, right. like they, they could add like two walls at some point where you can just put like <laughs> a wall on both sides, and then so chaotic. She's, she's not a good agent. She doesn't really, but she's she's provides so much value. The chaos kind of have to run it, yeah. Like, well, yeah, well how know. about this it then? Be... How about this as well? A lot of her kit is based on her staying alive, and it's like this idea of a permanent structure on the map, like her wall yeah. being placed. What if they made her wall a lot smaller in duration, but a lot more powerful, where you can, for for your allies, you can temporarily see through it, like you, it's it's transparent. Good Christ! Yeah, too good. What? So wait, the enemies. It would be very, but it, but it's like temporary. It's like a one. See? It's like a one use ability per round. But it's like it's it takes away the uh, the concept of it being like kind of clunky, and you actually have to use it to initiate. And when a viper does that, you know that their team is either going to be executing onto a specific site, or I mean, it could be a fake, obviously. But like, I'm trying to think of ways to fix this kind of clunkiness that's inherently in yeah, this yeah. agent. Well, I think it's a, a difficult problem, right? Like it is quite a difficult problem because Riot the way the big designer, I, I think it's it's also possible that if the meta changes significantly so that uh, agents like Cypher and Killjoy aren't really being played so that you can free up that slot of the passive lurking kind of role going over to the Viper, like they would have to nerf the crap out of a bunch of different God. agents that get value over time. But there just isn't enough room for everyone to be staying alive in the round and playing passively. Yeah. I think I was about to suggest something that would be so broken. That's yeah, okay. I've already suggested <laughs> yeah. some absolutely yeah. bad yeah, shit. Actually, I, stuff. it's not <laughs> even. I don't hate yeah, the gas cough. It's not even as dumb <laughs> as like my friend said. Like fuck it. Like I may as well just enter it, entertain it now. Uh, what's the there, so there's a champion. I think it's a uh, is it yeah it's in league, uh, where you can kind of pick an opponent on the other team that you are like actively hunting. Yeah, I think they might have a couple like that. But and uh, yeah, they do have a few. That's why I'm like, all right, like maybe they kind of go that way. Where like she could pick somebody on the other team that she's actively hunting and maybe get a a economy bonus for killing them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, now that kind of like changes the whole economy of it. But it also kind of entertains this weird mind game of like, if you know one player is playing on a specific site, you can like mark them to be hunted. Mate, and that then is, like the other that team is, would right. think that, that is absolutely batshit. Moving. Yeah, it is absolutely batshit. Yeah. It is, but I like it. It's so... <laughs> Why is the enabler, bro? It's an, it I an like it. It's thing to uh, entertain. Because yeah, I think there's a lot of enabler, like mental man. play that you could add to it. Like I think that would actually add a really interesting dynamic. And it's not, I mean, it's clearly not a overpower i mean it's not broken she still yeah. needs to get the kills right a lot like how reina does yeah i think yeah. that would what, add what a very interesting dynamic let's move on what else is in this I'm patch here we're, we're, we've been <laughs> yeah. stuck on viper for so long that we'll i'm like give her a dog we'll yeah. give her a dog as well. <laughs> we'll give her a dog reina so they, okay dog. this was the change to basically that the justification was for it that the must to keep the muscle memory consistent i actually like this change, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. One of the yeah. worst things about playing Reina was that I had to 
you had to play so much Reyna with the ult on to essentially build the muscle memory for sprays, yeah. which is what you want to take advantage of. And and I just couldn't do it. I stopped playing Reyna because of this reason. This, yeah. I mean, this video, like you said, Josh, is not a great indication of it. They're just using it to show um, how quickly the, the bullets difference. get depleted yeah. on the Odin. It it's not so the way that you would try and showcase this and if you want to test it out in game is that previously when you were trying to spray with a rifle um you can see by watching someone like scream actually because he always goes for headshots but if you miss that first headshot the rainer bullets came out so fast that you just instantly you're in recoil and you're firing way above their head yeah. um and it's hard to drag down yeah. at the same you need to drag down much faster than you would do normally to counteract the recoil so scream would literally never use ult like the the yep. amount of times Scream uses Empress, very very uh, small amounts. Um, there there are some other Rainers, but it's not a agent that gets picked very much anyway. So I think generally speaking, this is a good change. It's actually maybe a bit of a buff, even though it's a decrease in a firing rate. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a buff. Yeah, it's it's something that kind of needs to happen when they make the Brimstone change. Like even kind of looking over at myself the other day, I was like. It's kind of odd that they have multiple varying different fire rate ability, like buff abilities, where it's like you may as well just kind of like normalize it across well, the board. Yeah, well, that's why they did, right? Like, in the rest yeah, of this I mean, As much as it's an adjustment to Reyna, I feel like this only comes because they buff Brimstone, right? And then you kind of like cut it like a, a little bit find down from Reyna. Ground. Yeah, find a middle ground. Can we, yeah. uh, can we take a look at the, the next patch note change here? I assume this is the brimstone one that comes yeah, next. Yeah, so this is, yeah. like you were just saying, Matt, yeah, they made it more consistent in line. This makes a lot of sense as well for their design philosophy. Some of the early talks that the devs were having was saying how when they design abilities, they often think about it with, in terms of the physics of the ability, like launching it. For example, a lot of the abilities have the same physics. So I think brimstone molly and sage's orb, I think, has similar physics. It might be... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it, I, think, I think that's correct. There's a lot of overlap when it comes to abilities and the way that they're cast, so you don't need to learn new physics for it. Yeah. Um, so this is very uh, similar in mind when it comes to that change. You're aligning the fire rate buffs or whatever so that basically you're building muscle memory for if there is a fire uh, fire rate steroid, for example, we'll just call it that, then uh, then this is how you're going to be aiming your gun from that one. Does uh, this makes, still make... makes a lot of sense. Does it make any effect of like whether they play Brimstone or not? Though I mean, you never, no, you I... never, you never picked Brimstone for the stim. Yeah, pack. I right. mean, apparently, well, you you would never pick Brimstone because he doesn't have a paranoia. Yeah, he doesn't have sure. as many good abilities as Omen. That's right. really what it comes yeah. down to. Omen uh, just has the more reason that, good abilities. Yeah, at the very very top level, Angel still likes playing him because you can get three smokes down instantly and go for a super fast hit on a site. Yeah, it ranked rarely makes a difference whether you spend two seconds setting up two different smokes with omen or you yeah. do them instantly with brim because people just don't react that fast at most levels of rank you imagine but at the they... absolute top level of the game i can still see an argument for running brim sometimes can you imagine if they let omen put down two smokes at once you may as well just delete brim at that point yeah it's it's all about the paranoia though it really is and yeah. i think if they just tweak paranoia so that it's much more of a skill shot you know maybe reduce the um the the width of it i suppose I mean, the it, breadth of the, it it was I, nerfed quite a bit well i think more than anything i think it's still needs i think the i think what's frustrating about it is that uh if you're on the receiving end you don't really have a way to get out of it sure. um, yeah. you can't yeah, no it's not it's not like a big flash where you can I'll turn tell you around what, whenever right. i get flashed by the omen ult or the omen the omen ult the omen paranoia sometimes i feel like i have to play up close so that they're with, within blind range to stand a yeah. chance yeah. i'm incentivized the, to just uh, 
Uh, so so it's a tiny play in that sense, I yeah. suppose, but not much. I wonder if they made Paranoia a channeling ability that they had to channel it for a little bit, almost like a is it the fault line one from Breach, where mm -hmm. the where he kind of like uh you you hold it down and you kind of see the line of the distance going like further yeah, out. That's an interesting idea and because that would that wouldn't affect like set plays, you know, where like the the omen hides in specific areas in order to get it like through walls onto people, no. but you couldn't just throw it out in the middle of a fight. I don't right, know. Maybe, maybe there's some kind of like maybe there's some kind of like audio like kind of call out like when they're kind of preparing it or something like that, right? So or like some kind yeah. of wind up time after. Uh, maybe that could if, allow you to if it catches get out an enemy, the they cough as well. <laughs> yeah, and then get attacked by a dog. Maybe they, maybe yeah. we'll add that in as well. Mate, the, if we were given the keys to the card at this moment, they could, use, they could, oh, use, he could be the attack dog. Yeah. Yeah. Go on, give us your best, give us your best attack dog impression, Hugo. He doesn't speak much. Yeah, real good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, What's the next attack? <laughs> I think the next stuff is the op changes. Ah, there the weapon is. changes. Look, look at this preamble from the devs, but like, please don't yeah. murder us. I didn't. I read all that. Um, I read a decent <laughs> I, amount of it, I actually. Reading it all. I didn't read it, I just sent angry comments online to them. Yeah, this, so a lot of their justification for what they made of the operators actually, um, well, I was going to say mirrors the CSGO devs when they made changes to the operator back in 2015, but in reality it doesn't because the CSGO devs never write anything ever. Um, so, so that just didn't happen. They just made the changes. But the changes were for similar reasons in my mind was that yeah. some teams were just incredibly dominant with operators. You remember back in... In in my in my mind, I think back to when I was really watching a lot of CS. I was watching players like Kenny S just dominate using this yeah. one gun, using the the op, uh, and it's kind of in in a similar position, or at least um, it was. It might not be in the future, um, but they've made very similar changes. So basically, I think the fire rate has been decreased, so you can fire less repetitive yeah. shots one after the other. Your dead zone in terms of your movement of when you're accurate. Is changed as well. Hopefully, the video. Okay, the video doesn't really show. <laughs> the video this. is so this tragic. Is ridiculous. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, this is just a nonsense. I love these videos, but this was very poor. Yeah. Um. The fire rate change. Essentially, you, you can look at the numbers all you want, but this makes it so that you cannot play the operator as aggressively as you once have been able to. And yeah, you can still. There's still going to be characters that are more suited towards. Opping like Jet, like it's still going to be quite powerful in their hands, but you're going to find a lot less of those moments. Like we all remember those 4K, 5K clips that Wardell just pumps out for the engagements. Like you're going to be probably seeing a lot less of those because it's yeah. it's not going to be feasible to get away with that. Um, the bi the biggest change, obviously, in this patch. What do you guys make of it? Um, it's 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 huge. Right? It is yes. a massive I mean, change. It's an enormous change, and. When I've tried playing some, I, I played a little bit of Unrated yesterday just to feel out the AWP a little bit as well. And it feels incredibly different. Like all of your muscle memory, your timings, they're all going to be different. So people are going to have to start all the way back at like square one again in terms of learning those skills. Yeah, I, I, I like... Oh, I was sorry, just going to say sorry. To, to go back to your point about the... Um, yeah. With CS when that happened as well, when Kenny S was dominating at the time and they did change... <laughs> The uh, fire rate, but then also the uh, movement speed when yes. you were walking with the op. It was after that he just immediately fell off. Yep. There was a huge difference because, yeah, speaking of the muscle memory and all that, it all goes away. So I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the immediate it, uh, decrease in skill from the operators, yeah. just even based on that. Some of the stuff they mentioned in the long paragraph uh, you didn't want to read through, I thought was actually <laughs> really interesting uh, when I kind of read through it yesterday. And 
uh it's a lot of the stuff that kind of i was i'm a little bit worried about like with the the nerfs is that uh they basically were talking about how the operator serves a essential purpose to the game because it forces you to you know use utility kind of work as a team like kind of take over these sites where if the operator didn't exist like you could just kind of like flash in play do list and just kind of like run all yeah. over the place yeah you absolutely could uh I like all of these changes. The one that I kind of am on the fence about uh, is the price. I the think the price is enormous. I think they probably could have gone somewhere about halfway between the forty five hundred and the five k. I think the five k is it's it's almost like a deterrent to buy the weapon in itself. Like five thousand is such an investment. Yeah, like well, the, the the idea behind it is so you can't get it early, which I get. But even if you got it early at the 4500 uh, price and it's not as good uh, and you lose it, it's still a huge loss, right? Like, I feel like the price is just... Uh, yeah. That's I quite the like one that really bugs me out of it. <clears throat> you like this, Brent? Yes. Yeah. And I'll really? explain why? why. Because I'm thinking purely from uh, from a gameplay, a gameplay standpoint, the re their justification was that people were just full saving. They would win the initial round and they wouldn't buy anything to pump out the op in round three in round right three. which yeah. i don't think they want the game to be played that way i think they want it to be kind of like a, almost a mid-half purchase if that makes sense where mm -hmm. you're if you're setting if you're basically accruing up an advantage uh, you can purchase one they don't want you to be able to just force one out and, and build a strategy around it it seems like is the way they're wording it but what i do like is that you can still do that but you have to take enormous risks and you're going to see those risks in overtime situations as well because you only have five thousand dollars in overtime yes. situations to work with so if you want to buy an operator uh, an operator no armor no abilities you are glass cannoning this i think this is mental and just okay just picture this scenario right now tsm sentinels grand finals of the first strike event or whatever the fuck it is overtime scenario map one wardell purchases the operator the crowd goes mild because there are no crowds. We're still in COVID measures, but <laughs> crowds like, dude, what is that weapon? I haven't seen it all. Tournament. It is, that is so that <laughs> yeah. is, I think there's an element of hype to it in knowing that this is an all in strategy. And like the commentators are building up. This is an all in strategy from this player. Everything is revolving on this and you instantly have a storyline in the game. Now I, from I a think gameplay that was already happening with 4,500. Yeah. Like you, you couldn't sure. buy, um, armor with it anyway really because you still wanted the abilities instead of the armor so if people were buying it in the ot they were normally buying like well like an updraft of smoke and then the the op to be able to play with i i don't so what i really dislike about this change ben is this whole three round thing this whole idea of like the game it should be like a mid-round purchase i love the fact that it was predictable that teams that played around opping would have it for the third round because you plan your like anti-op strategies for the third round in order to break their economy again so it like it it directs the like the right if we say like one team is the rifle team and one team is the op team yeah. the yeah. rifle team knows when the oppers when the op team is going to buy it and they know that they can do something that round in order to punish them but now it's only going to be the team that's winning that can ever buy an op because you're not going to be able to justify saving up enough money as you're losing to be able to purchase an op okay. so it's just a snowball mechanic now it, this, you can't build any yeah. kind of opping style to your team. It's just a snowball mechanic. This was I, never. I think that's sorry, why I got, uh, yeah. yeah, I go ahead. I think the biggest issue with the price is that it's not going to be available to the yeah the team that is behind. It is a right. snowball mechanic. The team that's behind, if they have, uh, if they want to get the op on on a player, it's just 
that much. Is that work. how the money works out though? Do we I know mean, that? I don't know that for sure because I haven't gone through it, but you would need, you would almost certainly only be able to glass cannon in those rounds where you've built up enough money as a losing team. It's it's rare from just anecdotal experience, though, like I say, I haven't run the numbers, sure. that you are losing rounds on the losing side and you have built up uh, enough money. Now, if you, if, if like the first team gets the first six rounds and then you start to make a comeback of like the next three, well, then you might be able to buy the AWP. But at that point, the only so the, time the when reasons... the losing team would be able to buy it is so late into the half, it probably isn't going to have an impact. The things you brought up are... Uh, applicable completely in pro play, right? Mm. Which so so looking at this change, I think it's quite easy as well, and especially if you're a team that is completely revolved around the op, it's quite easy to be quite defensive when this change gets made, uh, particularly yeah. on social I media. Mean, did you see the coach of t of TSM? Yeah, Taylor. Yeah, I was did. Going, I mean, we're, we're going to get into this uh, after this topic, but I just want to say that your your mindset as well, Josh, because you you watch so much Valorant as well, is purely thinking about this from the pro player standpoint, which is completely yeah. reasonable. But I think the devs made this change from a rank standpoint. More, uh, yeah, first and but, first most because at the end of the day the the game live and dies off of the popular opinions of content creators and they're a lot of them are very outspoken about the operator and a lot of people in game hate the operator as well because yeah, that's true it's yeah. so it was a very very oppressive and at the top level what we saw in tournaments was the best teams could outplay the operator even in its current state they had strategies against it like you were saying in round three they would plan yeah. around the, the operator being in the field but in rank, that doesn't happen. So this seems like a change to me that they've made for the health of the general game. But I think you could have tried, I think you personally could have tried these nerfs without the money increase. And then if I it agree. didn't make yeah. a difference, it is quite heavy on the money yeah. increase. It is like, quite like I would have, like, I think it, I think this may be a little bit heavy handed <laughs> and I think they may have to walk back the, the money portion of it because I think I think there is a realistic scenario where it is too risky all the time to buy and it is too much of an investment. And then now, like, I mean, without the operator, the game changes like completely, right? Uh, you know, without it being in play, it just kind of becomes it's a, just already not been playing. a little bit well, hotter. Yeah. yeah. What, what also needs to be addressed is if people aren't opping on Jet. Let's say, what do, what do we see ops on aside from Joe? We see it on Sova, right? Sova. Uh, like Shadow yeah. on FPX, he'll be mm -hmm. Breach and he'll be offing. Think about how much those players have to spend in a round on their armor and their utility. Oh, yeah. If you're an opping Sova, you're spending an additional 1500 each round, hypothetically, to get armor, the drone, and your shock darts. Maybe you can skip the shock darts, but you need uh, the owl drone, right? Yeah. So you're spending at least yeah. 1300 to 1500 plus then 5k. So if you're on the team that's behind or ahead, really, it doesn't matter which team. Yeah. You're spending potentially 6,500 to get an op on it's a wild. Sova. It's a crazy investment. That's so yeah. much. I think so. If, if, on Jet, maybe like you could skip out on a couple of the clouds or something. But even still, if you want to get it full with Jet, you're spending then 700 yeah. to get all of your utility on top of armor and the ops. You're spending 6,700. And unlike CSGO, uh, this game has a money cap. I mean, Cisco has a money cap, but it's way higher. Yeah. Uh, what is the money cap in CS? Is it like 16K yes. or something? Yes. yes. 
So you can have four ops worth <laughs> damn near, right? Yeah. And in this game, you can have one point, whatever, four ops yeah. or whatever. Like, or yeah. uh, not 1.4, but like you know. 1.8. Yeah, 1.8, I mean, uh, sorry. So it's a, a massive difference. There's far different implications on the economy in this yeah. game, having the yeah, op-ed expenses. Let's, so I, I want to move the conversation to talk about the, yeah. the teams, Matt, as well, about yeah, this op change, because yeah. I think that's... That's really where we're leading towards here is what teams are going to be the biggest winners and losers of this patch here, mainly the operator change. Did we go over everything, Kurt? Did I miss anything in the patch? Um, oh, you got pretty much everything. There's like a it, small change to competitive updates. Oh, actually, there's some there's some jumping uh, accuracy changes yes. as well. Oh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't go yeah. over that with... Um, I, I honestly, I was abusing the shit out of this in competitive and I'm glad it's out because... Wait, what did they change? Don't tell me they changed the jumping classic. No, I mean that oh, needs no. to go. I but they have not changed that. They've changed basically people. Um, the way they would do it is you would jump around a corner, and your accuracy from when you jumped around a corner and landed, your basically your hitbox was just a mess. So basically, good luck headshotting oh, you when you're leaping through the air, and it was so fast in terms of the speed that it would be very hard to to win the gun duel if you were coming on on the opposite side of this. But this basically puts an end to the jump shot, at least in my mind. When people do it, it takes a, a quite a bit longer. Is that two seconds increased? Or no, no, this? no. It's uh, oh. 0.025 seconds okay. increased. But it does make um, somewhat of a difference because yes. they've changed it from gradual to binary as well. So you are just fully inaccurate up until that time finishes. Whereas previously, there was like a curve where you would get more and more accurate. So it mm -hmm. does feel like a much larger change than the very small numbers gotcha. would indicate. It and this uh, this affects like what rays like using the satchels to like, yes. just, to, like oh, launch. Yes, not necessarily. This is a huge rays nerf, I think. Not necessarily because somebody times. So I play a lot of rays, and often when I'm trying to go for a fast peak around corners, I'll just put a lateral satchel, and I won't lose any. I basically won't gain any sort of vertical height. I will. I will just slide across the ground. I will always be touching the floor. Or are you jumping? Um, I mean, if I'm double jumping in, I'm not getting a kill. Uh, it's literally no, to try I'm and break. When you put it, when you put it laterally, you just kind of blowing it up, or and just launching yourself like that, or are you like jumping during that animation? I mean, you you jump, but the way you put it is like three quarters up towards your head, so that it, the momentum pushes you down into the side, so that you're literally moving very yeah. quickly yeah. past their crosshair angle that they're holding. Um, I, it, it is a big change to raise. I'm not going to deny that. But when yeah. you're when you're when you are jumping in as raise, you can. It's, it's one of those things that you can practice so that you actually land on something as soon as you're going. Like a lot of the Brazilian race players are really good at that. Um, but more often than not, if I'm double satchel jumping into a site, it's entirely on my team to follow up on the kills when they are just aiming at yeah, this sure. flying squirrel coming into the site. <laughs> like that is, I'm trying to break their ankles in the same way that you would with a jet dash. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, the way that I use the satchel personally and the way that I think... You should be using it to try and get those fast peaks around corners. You're not going to be gaining any vertical height. So this change shouldn't affect you as much. It could. I don't know how. I haven't tested it yet, but I don't think it should. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is basically the, uh, the changes. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about the teams then that are going to be affected most about this because there is a lot to go over. Because there's a lot yeah. of teams that have built their legacy so far in Valorant based on how well they can use the operator. They've got these singular players. The, the teams that pop out in my mind immediately. Do you, what is the best way to do this? Do you want to go over region by region? 
Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I just guess. name a team and we'll talk about like how affected. Okay. I mean, the well, first one that everyone's going <laughs> to name is TSM, right? TSM, I mean, well, yeah. oh yeah. Well, I was going to say in NA, I think the the obvious loser of this is TSM. TSM. I mean, they don't want to hear anyone on earth tell them that, but it's it's the obvious narrative that will be created yeah. based on if you've ever watched them. And then I think the obvious winner is Sentinels. Yep, 100%. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the, the obvious dynamic in NA right it's now. Teams, I mean, just to provide some wider context of this, any team that, generally speaking, will prefer rifling over the operator or doesn't build specific strategies around opping, you're going to see them just essentially be instantly buffed over this. In terms of the rankings of where you should be ranking these teams, they should be much higher up. Um, and teams like TSM, which revolve so much around operator usage with Wardell, you're going to be looking at them probably sinking a couple of rankings, to be honest, until they get a, a grip on it's, how to play around this meta. The first TSM game is going to, like, after this change is going to be so interesting uh, because yeah. we, we all know how... Uh, people on the internet are you're not gonna like, be able to well, do that if it happens uh yeah no won't be able to do that uh if it happens once they will immediately just kind of jump all over it and run with it like if they if they don't look the same uh after this that'll be like kind of the whole story with this team right yeah. like it'll be like inescapable like it'll be everywhere yeah. everyone will be talking about it like uh i want to set a narrative time, though interesting it, how they it, respond it provides an opportunity for TSM to prove that they're not just a one-trick yes, team, true. too. Yeah. Like, if they're able, Go. genuinely, to come out of this out of a jet nerf in terms of the ultimate and an op nerf, the two things that everyone was saying would hurt TSM the most, if they come out of this and they're still a top-two team, I would say, like, they don't even have to win things. They just still have to be a top-two team. Be in contention. Then, yeah, then they have showcased an ability to adapt that a lot of people didn't think that they would have the ability to like the, this take. is a growth opportunity for them i have a hot a hot take here okay, okay. um here we go the recent tournaments tsm have not looked that not looked that good from what we've well, seen the in the tournament they went out to dignitas yeah tsm have but not looked good already when uh they were revolving around the op they were quite one-dimensional in terms of their strats that they were re relying on the operator to try and get them a lot of wins honestly like a lot of their gameplay was relying on that. And I think people might attribute in the next tournament that's coming up, if TSM don't do well, they're definitely going to be blaming it probably on the operator change and it will have some effect. But TSM, in my opinion, in my eyes, the TSM fans are going to hate to hear this, we're already on the downward spiral. I, I, I agree. I don't think you can really say that when the, their most recent tournament before they lost to Dignitas... They they literally beat Sentinels. Let and me... they were using they were using like a bunch of actually interesting stuff where Hayes oh, was yeah. picking up Why the, it's uh, about to drop sixteen bars. I'm about the, to the smokers and stuff <laughs> go off. No, but I, I do think uh what's been interesting about TSM for me so far is that obviously they won the first big tournament, the T one Nerd Street, months ago, the first fifty K. They won that, they dominated, they crushed T one in the final. Wardell looked insane. Drone looked insane. That was when he was still playing Phoenix all the time. And then immediately after that, they had a string of semifinal or quarterfinal exits. They lost to Cloud9 a couple times, couldn't beat Sentinels. And then they switched their comp around at that point. To, that's when they changed Sabrosa to going to Phoenix full-time and Drone being on Sova full-time. And that's when yeah. they started running that new same comp on every single map. And they changed to that comp because it allowed Wardell to be on Jet all the time. He yeah. was no longer switching to Sova, where, by the stats, he was getting far less kills on Sova than he was on Jet. And he was still getting a lot of kills on Sova. His 
kills per round is still absurdly high, but it was uh, like a full 0.1 less than his jet. His jet was 0.99, his Sova is 0.89. So that's still very significant. He's still really good, but significant decrease in kills. So they changed their strat to put him on jet full time. They're running the same comp on every map with a Phoenix on every map. And they won phase with that after that switch. And then they obviously went out in the groups in the following tournament to Dignitas, losing to them twice. And I was thinking that we were going to see the same pattern again that we saw after Nerd Street, where they're going to have a few bad tournaments in a row, and then they're going to have to make some major switches to actually adapt to the current meta. Because we haven't even seen them with like the buffed Breach meta yet. I don't know how they would have even filled any of that in, right? Yeah, I have no idea. I was under the impression that I think they were going to probably have a couple off tournaments again and then maybe rebound with some type of composition or strategic switch like they did before. I, so I'm kind of on the same page. With I want to add some, uh, some weight as well to this point that I'm making because it's not just like... If you look at purely where the, t- the tournament standings were and they beat TSM in the, or they beat Sentinels in a previous tournament, it, that wasn't just the only group stage after that that they had a poor performance in, right? I think the tournament before they beat Sentinels... They also had a poor group stage performance. They they have had no. multiple. It was oh, literally before that they tournament. beat Sentinels. Was it that yeah. tournament? It but they, they tournament but they actually they qualified and got better over the course of it. Yes, and then they yeah. won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's so this has been a recurring issue for TSM. I mean, yeah. I suppose <sighs> Look at how Wardell I suppose plays, it is though. I I just want to point something out, Brent, before we go to the wider topic of this team. Waddell is not getting nerfed by this because it's an op nerf. Waddell is getting nerfed by this because it is a Wardell's playstyle specific nerf. Yeah, it like, it's, look it at, does look not at nerf people that just hold Look at his aggression. Yeah. It nerfs people that go for shit like this. And it's so unfortunate, actually. And I can see why Taylor, the TSM coach, and why Waddell was liking the tweet as well, saying that these are bad changes and they should talk to people who actually play the game at a high level because this is a nerf for people who are incredibly skilled at the op. This isn't a nerf for people who just hold angles. This is a nerf for people who re-peak angles, who play aggressively, and who are able to hit their shots with consistency. So this must be so frustrating. I know why you're comparing it to like the Kenny S uh, drop off in CS as well because he played that same yeah. you know a- aggressive style and then never looked the same again after that nerf came through. And I I, in some sense, um, I, I did think that it was very one-dimensional and kind of busted that Wardell could do this kind of stuff, but it was something special and it's incredible to watch. If all of the yeah, opening sure. now is just I hold angle with five thousand dollar weapon, that's you're, you're missing some magic here because this this really was uh, magic. Or even it, worse, it just kind of disappears, right? No, that won't sure. happen. Then no. we're just setting a rifle. I, I I don't think it'll disappear. I think that that's too too far. I well. If it does temporarily, it's because of the cost. And then I, I agree with you, Matt, that I think they might roll the cost back at some point because yeah, it, we yeah. still see in CSGO, if we're using that as a comparison, which it is a great one because they did have to nerf it early into the game's life in a similar way. Um, people still play the AWP very aggressively. I mean, if you watch what Simple is able to do now in CS, I mean, it's, yeah, you can still do incredible. incredible shit with it. So, mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, Wardell is just on a different level of skill with it. He will still find ways to be unreal with the op it's yeah. going to happen it's just you can't do it with the exact same frequency yeah yeah and, and i think yeah probably one of the major takeaways that you would get from this if you're a tsm fan is like 
woe is us, you know, this is going to be a, a bad change. But oh. this is this is a proving grounds, <laughs> as we were saying, for TSM now to prove that they can not rely on the operator and still be a top team. So I, yeah. I mean, no one here wants to see TSM falter and fail yeah. at this at this hurdle. Everybody wants so to see them. Yeah, everyone flopped. wants to yeah. see them continue to dominate in NA and actually continue this rivalry uh, rivalry against Sentinels. So uh, that's an interesting one. A team that we uh, also need to talk about, though, the sort of the counterpoint to TSM, the one team that is going to be improved is Sentinels in NA. Sentinels have always kind of preferred rifling this rifle playstyle. Um, uh, and they're, they're, I like to make uh, well, I like to make comparisons of them to Liquid, but uh, I think Sentinels in a lot of ways are a little bit more disciplined than Liquid as well. Well, they play a little bit less uh, fast and loose in in what? gunfights. Less fast and loose. I think yes. they play way more fast and loose. Sentinels. You think so? Absolutely. They play way more high yeah. tempo, busting into places. Liquid are really like methodical, playing contact all across the map. Yeah, I I absolutely think so. Shazam also does like to uh, op on attack. So I don't think this is just like a slam dunk improvement for Sentinels. It does kind of hit Shazam a little bit. Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk improvement, but this is going to change nothing for them. Uh, this is definitely not. Yeah, very yeah I think they're, they're going to play. On, as, this as is why Sentinels are style. so good. They're yeah. so dynamic in terms of the agents they play, the guns they use. They're just the most dynamic NA team. Um, and that's why they're going to survive patches like this and other new things that they add. Yeah, yeah, that's another great point as well, isn't it? That these kind of patches are going to be thick and fast. Like, there yeah. haven't even been any major <laughs> tournaments between the Sage nerf that completely shook up the meta, the Breach buff that completely shook up the meta, and now the Operator um, change that completely shook up the also, meta. Can, and these are all happening within a month. Can I also remind you that, what, how many days are we towards the end of the... Uh, the the I guess like kind of the series where we get another agent. We're super yeah. close right. to that. New agents wow. getting introduced. Like, like we're we're like what a week or two away from that. Like this yeah. is like right before a tournament. Like first strike. Yeah. Like, this is like actually just uh, mind blowing. Like the amount of change. Where I was actually interested in. Uh, well, well, we won't know because we won't see them for a while, or even they don't have the full team announced yet. But a team like a hundred thieves who have had the experience of going through the operator nerfs in a game like oh well the op nerfs in a game like counter-strike right like they haven't exactly settled on a playstyle yet because we have not seen them yet uh so they're just kind of in the lab cooking up uh, what they the is one team that i the think 100% are going to be coming out of the stronger though assuming that yeah. have, have dicey and asuna is this still a rumor yeah, I don't, I don't think it's anything. gone anywhere further. I'm I'm not even sure whether there have been anything else. There's been anything else to substantiate it. it you yeah. know, it's the kind of thing. It's the yeah. kind of rumor that we have no idea whether they were even. It was even happening. How far through the process it was, they might have turned not back on it. Yeah. Like, yeah. They yeah. Might have yeah. just pure needed a the night Someone got the screenshot yeah. of them gone. So, Honestly, yeah. yeah it, I mean, it, we'll we'll see what happens. You had a great team though that you mentioned the other day. We yeah. were talking about this in the kitchen. T1, dude. Yeah, T1. T1, I think, are going to be coming out so much stronger off the back of this. You think about a lot of their early problems that they had when oh Skadoodle's hero pool was, was yeah. pretty piss poor and he wasn't used to the opping style. If they can switch to full-on rifling, my God, T1 should be looking like the team that was promised 
in the Ooh. in the early power rankings, dog. <laughs> I'm telling you, I didn't know you were going to go that far. No, I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to go this far <laughs> because I was this, like, I agreed with you in the kitchen. You want, now. <laughs> let, let me make my case for <laughs> NA here. Let me, let me let me let me make my simp <laughs> NA case, okay? Because okay. Lord knows a lot of our viewers don't watch the other regions and they only watch NA as well, so they're going to be agreeing with me. the The point I want to make is that I think. Every other team now is going to be in an opportunity, or most teams at least, with the exception of some, are going to be focused entirely of like, how the fuck do we play around this change here? When, in my opinion, T1 the whole time should have been focusing around rifling a bit like Sentinels play, because that's where a lot of their key strengths lie. This, I think genuinely they could be a top three team quite easily. Uh, I, I very much disagree with that, I think. Because not only did they suffer from this like lack of aggressive orping, but just yeah. a lack of aggression from any of their team. There's no one that likes to go aggressive other than food who would just jump in. And I mean, considering they've lost food and crashies and crashies was probably their best player. Uh, th this team is obviously going to have to reboot. And, you know, maybe they bring back in Skadoodle because they can defensively op now. And that's like going to play into his style, yeah. but they still had so many issues with like the roles that these guys were going to play. Who's actually playing aggro in these fights and who's trying to stay alive in the rounds. Cause everyone seems to want to try and stay alive and play slow. Dog, and it, all I'm saying is, it, it just didn't work. All I'm saying is right, clip this one. T1 win the next tournament. A lot of time has passed. <laughs> and I, do, I, I do think that, uh, this is it, obviously it's hard to say exactly where T1 will end up because we don't actually know who the last two players are, even though one of them probably going to be dazed. Yeah. Uh, we don't know who the other one is yet, so it's hard to say exactly where they would <laughs> end up. What was that? Um, what the hell was I talking about? Uh, so it's hard to say exactly where they would end up, but um, I, I do think that they are a team that uh, should benefit from this patch a bit. Um, mm. I think it is a good patch for them mm -hmm. in comparison to some of the other teams. But yeah. Consider, yeah, consider yeah, the fact, so I don't want to just make these outlandish claims and not actually provide some sort of uh, points to try and back it up as well, because this is exactly how you get into the fucking the shit list of everyone else who's in the scene. But the point <laughs> I wanted to make is that I think this is a team that's already in the process of rebuilding, and what better time to do it when every other team is trying to get their shit together with these massive monumental well, changes. Yeah, true. I mean, point. I think that's a kind of, yeah, like with, with so much going on with the game in general, like in terms of agent changes, agent additions, uh, you know, the primary like weapon like the kind of big game changing weapon going under huge adjustments and a money change uh and the fact that there's no tournaments right now so new like you're just well, kind of going off of, in two weeks yeah new agent uh potentially in two weeks so you're just kind of going off of scrims which is never really kind of great to go off of yeah, like I mean, some of your teams that are forming or trying to figure out now almost get a little bit of a game reset like not a full game reset, right? Like obviously still there's going to be a ton that carries over, but they do get a chance to kind of catch up a little bit faster than if nothing would have sure. changed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. Especially if they can, um, if they get a good read on the meta. I mean, we talk about that all the time in Overwatch. It obviously applies less to a game like Valorant, but I think it still applies much more than a game like CS, where if you have a good read on which agents are really powerful right now and how to maximize the value of them, you can find a style that gels with your team and potentially accelerate that improvement way faster. We don't really know what these teams are cooking up in the lab, but it's, it's all possible. It's just, uh, they've got, they're gonna have a lot of competition. 
and the team have given no real like evidence at the moment that they're gonna be good i do i at least we do know that before they were struggling to find a leader for that team and they that's one of the reasons why they brought eu up from the academy team a yeah. rather fresh player um, but getting an established leader in days someone that they're already obviously friends with they've played with yeah. in the past also sort of a so, some some similarities you could draw between him and steel um, mm -hmm. in terms of their leadership style and i i think that that could uh, possibly solve add, some of the problems they had in terms of i wonder of, if they add skadoodle back they are having that, that's yeah. pretty oh, much is been that confirmed? almost oh, that has pretty yeah. much been almost all but confirmed yeah oh right he's been playing with them for however long it's been now since they cut crash season food I mean that should be this this change should be so much better for Skidoodle's playstyle. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. should. I mean 100% it mirrors a lot of what uh, CS hopping has been like for the past 5 years. Yeah. Um, and specifically his style as well his where style, he's mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, safe absolutely. with it. Let's let's shift regions to EU and talk about some of these teams uh, in EU that might be benefit from this. The number one thing that comes to my mind immediately I'm a bit of a liquid simp. I'm going with liquid here. I think this, this, yeah. everything about these changes just completely suits their their play style. I think and really, yeah, literally, it's just going to cement yeah. almost every single change that we're seeing here. Yeah, yeah because the game gets faster. I, I mean, even if Link, even if Link wants to continue warping, like he has been recently, Link was more of a okay. He did have some clutch moments and he was getting much more aggressive. But the way that they preferred to play it was that he would just hold an angle and the rest would like move forward and rifle with it, yeah. which is still a super viable way of being able to warp. Um, not going to be able to do the flashy shit, but it's not like they were doing that much of it anyway. So yeah, I think this is just a a, a good buff for Liquid, especially when they're the kind of team that should have the base to be able to work like region <laughs> and that kind of stuff too. I'm I'm just kind of angry that there's no games. Like that, like yeah. we won't see any of this come to fruition probably till first strike because they just played what was it? It was uh they played like that show match which the just best in the West with yeah. six v six jets. It was just an absolute shit was... show, so you got absolutely nothing out of it. Uh, yeah. where that would have been well, it still was probably before this, but it yeah. still would have been cool to kind of see those teams go at it. Where now we're sitting here for probably another probably close to a month with uh no no real kind of. Tournament yeah. play. It's just going to make it all the more sweeter when we actually finally do get some tournaments, though. Well, it's all just going to occur all at one time, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if you're like the, the shittiest thing for some of these teams will be if they think they figured it out or they think they have a playstyle that works and they can play around it, and then we get to first strike at that first qualifier and they are so far behind that there is not any time left there to make it changes or mm -hmm. catch up, right? Like you're already in the thick of the qualifiers. I think yeah. we're, we're all in agreement here that Liquid is going to be one of the uh, one of the rising teams, at least from these changes. Is there any mm. teams that you think are going to be badly affected by this in Europe? Europe, to me, in my mind, is a much more well-rounded region when it comes to a lot of their strategies. I mean, definitely the one that you would have to put up there as like at least a question is whether G2 and Mixwell are going to be able to do the same kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, Mixwell does use the 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 jet almost exclusively. I mean, it, literally exclusively at the moment. Um, and with the nerf to the op and the nerf to the uh, jet ultimate, 
I think it's going to be very interesting to even pose the question, do they continue with Jet? Like, do they, do they as a team believe that there's still enough value to be gained from Jet in terms of how she can dash engage into sites and set up a lot of their executes, in terms of the, the value she can get out of uh, shotguns and uh, her ultimate's still going to be fairly decent? Like, do, do, are they still going to run with that? Because when Sage got nerfed, David P... I think was put in a pretty tough position because that was the main agent that he played as well. He's a smart guy and he's been able to pick up breach and he's been playing that pretty well, but he still runs the sage on ascent and still gets big value out of it there. So I think that they are not, they are a team that has got a very flexible style, but their team compositions that they've been using have not been that flexible. And so this is pushing them a little outside of their comfort zone. I think at at a glance though, I would, I would make the claim, I've made a lot of claims this episode, but I would make the claim I think that they are probably going to be one of the safer teams, at least across the board, across all regions, uh, when it comes to these changes. Yeah, yeah, Mixwell likes the Jet. Yes, they like to focus around the operators. I, what opinions do you guys hold about this? Do you agree with me here? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I do. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, and for more of, for, for the reasons that Josh outlined, like they are, yeah. they are very flexible in terms of We've seen them be flexible in terms of everything outside of composition, but it's really just because the composition was working for them. Sure. I mean, yeah. we actually haven't seen them yeah. similar to TSM in a way, but obviously G2 with more success. We just haven't seen G2 have the need to switch. Um, there's just been no reason really yep. until the actual, until the game devs force them to switch <laughs> their comps. Yeah. They're going to keep winning with it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the other part to, to part to bring up about G2 as well is that unlike TSM where they've you know lost BO3s and stuff like that and and have been slow to make adjustments, G2 have never had to. And when you look back at the past of G2, all of their players have in the beta and like before they got picked up by G2 in the very early European times, been incredibly flexible players. Ardis was a Jet player who sometimes played Brimstone for Fish One Two Three. <laughs> Mixwell played a range of stuff, including Vi and all sorts of other picks when he was playing on Prodigy. Yeah. Paditech was a Phoenix main who is now playing Omen. Uh, these guys have played it all in the past and have just been elite at whatever they've been playing. Like when they joined G2 and formed this G2 composition, uh, they were off rolling. <laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah. that's what's really interesting is that there's no real evidence for them being stuck in their ways because we know that they were almost like changing in order to make G2 great. Mm-hmm. Are there any teams in Europe that you guys think that we should be talking about in regards to these change in terms of being a bit of a powerhouse? Maybe they're just sneaking by the radar? Because EU has been in flux. I, you know, Liquid has been on the tail end of the top teams. It's always been G2, FPX that we're really talking about here. Um, are there any teams in, in your minds that might be positively affected by this outside of Liquid? I think that the the like more slower paced teams like FPX should be somewhat favored by this because you're not going to get caught out as much when you're trying to set up your uh, your executes and your plans to be able to take map control. You're going to be able to take map control easier against a, uh, an AWPer that isn't as likely to be able to really quickly peak aggressive angles. So I think that just, it's a small buff to these kind of teams that play a more strategic style, I think. There are some teams, though, in Europe that just have crazy opus. Like, um, not that I've watched very much of them, but uh, CNED, you know, the, the Turkish guy 
yeah. who's um, been playing uh, for what is it, Noel Penke. Um, he's he's a very good opera, and I think that those kind of teams that rely on those big players to make those big moments happen uh, are gonna see a bit of a nerf. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, it's not. It does matter, but yeah, in terms of the team rankings and it does matter, but still uh, we need a in a small way. Yeah, we yeah I was just going to say. And I, I, I feel similarly, actually, to just take it back to NA for a second. I forgot to mention them, but for all the reasons you just outlined of why you think it'll be a small buff for uh, FPX, Josh, I feel the same way about Gen G mm. in NA. Gen yeah. G's biggest fan. At just so hard right, right on the payroll. I, okay, let's talk about then instead, because I know a lot of us have been watching Brazil as a region. That's where all the tournaments have been recently. Brazil as a region is constantly in flux. Their, their top eight is constantly taking wins against it, partly because the formats are also kind of a little bit wank, same as EU, you know, it's just the best <laughs> of ones. They're I love the word wank. They're it's wank. A, it's true, though, because there's a tournament adjective. ongoing right now as we're recording this. Uh, I think it's the Evolution um tournament yes, sure um and it was just best of ones all throughout the tournament really bad yeah. for deciding who's going to be where the top are they team. in it right now um there but, is the grand finals, the grand finals right, now. right now right now yeah so uh, we're not going to talk about that but talking quite broadly about <laughs> these changes for brazil brazil has a whole mixture of teams some that really like rifling some that really like jet operating but all of them have something in common well not all of them but most of them play a very very aggressive play style this is what my, my personal theory is with this change, that how it's going to be affecting Brazil here. This is, a, this is a region that we've been struggling to kind of filter out some top teams as who are like maybe the top three at a given time, really cement and lock in those roles. I think this is going to separate those teams and you're now going to start to see maybe the, 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 tiers, the tiers in Brazil as a region are probably going to be settling after these changes. What do you guys think? I think it's still going to be you, still, you, you think it's still going to be bad shit? Still gonna be, yeah, I think it's still going to uh, be really? wild. Because it's just such aggressive rifling styles that they play. <laughs> and also, well, there are some opping jets in, in Brazil that are, yeah. are, are dominant by using the mechanics that we just... Uh, that just got nerfed, excuse me. Like QCK on Team 1. He wins so many defensive rounds for his team just through sheer regression, jump okay. peaking, that yeah. type of shit. And he's not going to be able to do that anymore. What I like about Brazil and the way that they play Jet that other regions don't take as much advantage of is using her as an entry in that sort of similar way to raise if you, you know, whatever, you double mm -hmm. satchel in. But the way that they use Jet to entry into sites is uh, far more valuable than I, I think using her as more of a, just in a static op role yeah. on attack. Um, so I don't particularly think that it'll affect their jet play on attack. And I actually think that other regions should probably adapt that into their attack strategies because uh, I think it's going to be good following this patch. I, sh mm. I was just going to say, with how the almost like the entire region kind of plays and just how, like, how fast it is, like I almost feel like this is kind of where it'll head like in, in the other regions. Like maybe not get this crazy, right? But like some of this will kind of seep into the other regions because they, like you mentioned, why like they don't rely on a lot of like the movement opping abilities that some of the other regions do. Where maybe we see some more type of play, uh, like we see in Brazil, in like your North Americas, your Europe. Yeah, you you totally could if teams still want to play the jet on defense. Like if they still value opping jet on defense with these 
up and jet changes, then the best way of playing her on attack is to play either like really set strats like vision strikers have where you pairing the breach flashes with the dash timings and it's all perfectly coordinated. But I, I don't think that NA really has that in them. Instead, mm -hmm. I think they'll go the Brazilian route of just let's go dash <laughs> yeah, in and try and engage faster. Yeah. But it's I wonder if NA has as much of that, I don't know how you, I don't even know what you call that type of, I just, insane cocaine. aggression, yeah, cocaine <laughs> like, aggression. Uh, I don't know I what think... you call that type of aggression, but yeah. uh, I don't even know if NA has that, that full willingness to all go in with not a moment's hesitation. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if NA has no. that. Sometimes I think you put it uh, well on last week's episode, Why, where you said that the Brazilians just play with zero fear. Like if they yeah. say go into the site, like they just go, right? Like they're they're I, I love they have it. no fear. I, I love that playstyle. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. And if you if you get very good at it, you are going to um, I'm I'm, I'm calling it now the first international tournaments. You're going to see some major upsets just from it because teams we, are not going to be able to play um, against that kind of tempo and pace. We um, need a board of Bren's guarantees. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've got a couple. <laughs> and then right, we need I've to got revisit uh, like T three months. T one like, uh, are going to be a top three team, if not top two. Um, what what was the other claims that I made today? Did Lord you just add so on things. the top two? Yeah, I think I, before, I think I said top two. I think you before. said top three. That just I just had a physical reaction, sort of as if like there was something like a lemon, just citrus in my mouth. I, <laughs> well, here's the thing with NA is who would you put in the top five of NA? I mean, it is all over the fucking place currently. Like with this MDL shit and play, teams just literally oh, benching yeah. all their players. It's going to be more of that before the next dude, tournament. NA too. is in flux right now. Yeah. Like I actually think my take is not that hot. I mean, it might be a little bit mm. spicy, but it's not well, that I hot. Was, uh, yeah, I was looking up before when the end of the series, like the uh, when you would expect like another agent, and that hits like October thirteenth. Mm. So like some of these uh, first strike tournaments, I think in the other regions start like around like in the uh, October like twentieth yeah. like region where yeah okay uh, maybe they'll remove the new agent for it maybe uh, they'll the only reason they removed Killjoy up. was because there were some bug spots that she could play yeah. stuff in so I think that is the only scenario in which they will um, stop an oh. agent being played because teams were scrimming with Killjoy even though she got yeah. banned in tournaments yeah yeah so. yeah. You're just setting up for a crazy yeah. month. Uh, let's over. let's shift the conversation along uh, away from this because I think we've kind of exhausted the major regions. I don't really want to go yeah. over Asia and Southeast Asia with these changes um, no. because none of us are really um, watching enough to make uh, good comments on it. But let's talk about the general news that's in the scene as well. There's a, there's a little bit to get through here. Gambit have finally entered the Valorant scene. They've signed, they put up a full Russian CIS squadron, uh, go on to CIS Massive. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's nice to CIS see Gambit fan. finally entering. Yeah. Actually, uh, and CS is a, CIS is a region as well. It's it's kind of one of those regions where you don't see too much um, sponsor uh, sponsor teams. Generally speaking, the money isn't quite as good there. So Gambit getting involved in this scene generally signifies to me that there is something on the line that is going to be worth fighting for now. And I'm not just talking Mulan songs. I'm talking the prize money. You know, in first strike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. This team yeah. is, seems to have been specifically designed to win that bag yep, in yeah, the Russia yeah. minor region of First Strike. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm uh, all for there, it. Yeah. yeah, there's also a bunch of other organizations. I think I saw the uh, the CEO of Evil Geniuses. Ah, yes, they are looking at picking up a team uh, as well. They're coming out to look for a uh, Valorant team. Uh, yeah, it's mm. uh, Nicole. She said, anyone knows yep. some... Uh, 
uh, she was saying uh, Rady and I ranked people for Valorant because they're looking for a team. So be me I think now, I mean, look, when you <laughs> see, uh, did you just say get me sign? I said that's going to be me soon. Yeah, you're playing too much Magic the Gathering to ever get good at Valorant. Yeah, I actually haven't played Valorant in like Bro, five if days. Are you signing any Mythic? Mythic <laughs> players. players, dog. I'm, that's me. Uh, I think it's just because you see Riot getting directly involved now uh, with First Strike. Like, uh, obviously, they were involved in the initial in the series. There's a lot but... of orgs, Mass. There's a lot of orgs um, that. Oh, they were waiting for not, for the sign to jump in. They're basically waiting for because especially in COVID, for an organization yeah. to get involved in an esports scene, there has to be some sort of concrete knowledge behind the scenes that something big is happening, at least in terms of that is going to be making some sort of payoff for them. It, that it's worth jumping in at this point. And I mean, this yeah. all aligns with the first strike events. This all aligns yes, with the no. first strike events. This is why you see all these orgs now suddenly wanting to make moves. And this yeah. is why earlier in a lot of earlier episodes we were talking about. Here's Nicole, what she was saying um about essentially just trying to recruit for a, a valorant team a lot of these orgs now are kind of yeah. rushing to get some sort of presence in line here for first strike events because i think this is really going to be where the turning point of the valorant scene comes from is this event when you're talking about a history of valorant a lot of the early days probably going to be forgotten a bit like how overwatch is currently now yeah uh, a lot of times you're only really thinking about you know uh, well yeah these teams need to also get in from the standpoint of uh like if they wanted to get in like if there was some kind of like uh let's say like like how uh flashpoint and blast work for like csgo where there's like franchise leagues and those right yep uh you want to get involved in the game in that let's say if some other leagues kind of pop up like throughout the year that are more like a season based like you need to have a roster on standby also uh when you get involved with them you have the ability to then go out and raise more money to do more stuff so yeah. it gives them another vehicle in a in a world in which you know Overwatch is in an off season, Call of Duty's in an off season, League of Legends is in like an off season or kind of wrapping up their season. Like, hey, what does your organization have going on towards the end of the year when everybody's putting their budgets together for next year and coming up with all the sponsor money that they can allocate? Mm -hmm. Hey, look, we're doing this big thing in Valorant. Like, you know, it it's it's a no brainer, especially with the time period. Uh, when you're pitching sponsors and whatnot, it is like right now, uh, like maybe even a little bit later, like Thanksgiving. So yep. that all lines, like let's say they pick up Valorant teams and the viewership's pretty good and like they're they're competitive. Uh, you you can easily kind of rack in some sponsors and some more money going into the new year. So uh, it makes sense for any organization who wasn't already in, who's sitting on the outside seeing where it's going. Uh, when this gets announced and it gets announced that it's happening before the end of the year that's also a massive point right it doesn't happen uh you know in the 21 it's gonna be wrapped up by 2020 mm -hmm. uh it's huge for a lot of these teams to be able to go out and get teams and then kind of get some sponsors and money off the back of it this is the gamble yeah. that orgs are taking right it, there was a lot of orgs that got in right at the beginning and that risk is that if you pick up a strong roster that cements themselves as a top team. You have a top roster, maybe on the cheap, but it is a risk because you're getting in quite early. We saw some teams get involved around the time of um, kind of, uh, I remember the, the Flashpoint event where you had Dignitas actually yeah. signing a team for, just for the Flashpoint event. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's various points to get into a scene, but this seems to be the major turning point where almost every major player in esports in terms of orgs is wanting to get involved for this, but which generally signifies that it's good. You know, you've got a strong scene. Uh, the, the gamble that's being taken here seems to be quite a promising one. Unlike some of those early orgs, though, they like these, 
the new ones coming in, they don't have to kind of go all in and kind of shell out the amount of money that some of these other orgs have shelled out to get involved in the game. Because once they are involved, like these orgs have such a, a great reputation in other games, uh, you know, orgs like, you know, again, but evil geniuses like NRG, right? That they will be able to go out and like, hey, yeah. we're in Valorant. This is our team. Like, we're going to be competitive. They'll be able to go out and find sponsors that eventually they will be able to bring in top players, right? And can top players want to play for these types of like organizations that have like big alert, like long time standing within esports? So uh, I think it's two really interesting different approaches uh, that you could have taken to getting into the scene. I think I think you were almost better served to kind of sit around up until now, uh, and then now, especially because things are open and qualifiers, you'll find a ton more players coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. Or you can. You can build a roster that can be competitive, then go to another team after you got to get some sponsors and you have a little bit of a war chest of money and then start to take mm -hmm. some players, right? Uh, yeah. and, and build up a team that way. So I think we'll see a ton of roster movement as this scene grows. And I think like into like probably towards the end of the year, like after first strike, you'll see tons of movement between organizations. You guys want to add anything yeah. onto this? Uh, well, I, I also just wanted to point out yeah. how how fast a team can just be cemented within the scene like people people often comment about like oh you're late to the party or whatever but people no. uh, uh organizations and teams very quickly become staples in the scene like it feels like g2 have been around forever but they really haven't like that yeah. that team was not around in the beta they, they haven't been uh dominating forever what they've played uh two coming up on three months now They've they've been it's around COVID, since, Josh. since July. Yeah, I mean, it's COVID, COVID does cover like the, uh, the time period for sure. But it, it's it, it's very, you very quickly become a household name within the scene this mm -hmm. early on. So you don't really risk that much uh, coming in late. You just need to have a, a decent performance in first strike, go fairly deep, and people will take I, notice of you because they recognize I, your name. I was just going to say, with the way that first strike's built, you have a better than expected performance. You have a kind of big name behind you is like an organization and somebody else falters that's like a big team right you'll be able to easily go to play pick those players up right you'll be able to pitch them pretty easily like if you're if you a, them. Yeah. a team that's not involved i don't think right now but like let's say like use like a complexity for an example like really good to play for everybody loves like jason lake like they get involved they have a good run you know maybe a team at the top kind of falters a little bit hey you want to come play for us like look at this awesome facility we have we can take it to the next level like They'll be able to they'll be able to make themselves big players in this rather quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some of those big players then, because we got some uh, some roster movements even happening right now. We did is uh, is being released. I think from Mamba Mode Gaming. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, we did uh, we did released. Uh, I don't follow the sort of lower section of NA closely enough to uh, understand this kind of justification, but maybe you guys can shed some light on this. There was a um, a twit longer that was associated with this because the I think he's the CEO or maybe the founder or something I don't I don't know exactly what his position is but the guy in charge of Mamba Mode Gaming released a twit longer saying that they had released Weeded as a free agent so that he could pursue other opportunities in the scene and they specifically added a paragraph below being like there's no bad blood we're just literally releasing him we love him we're we're hoping that yeah. he finds a new top team now I I assume that this is because someone some big t tier one organization 
wants this guy who was probably the best player on Mamba Mode Gaming, was their Viper player, and was the, the main reason that everyone was like paying attention to them yeah, as well, Viper because they were, they were playing something totally different to everybody else. And there, there's a lot of tier one organizations that are trying to solidify their roster before first strike. Yeah. So in such a competitive environment where there's a lot of players trying to get into these slots, I assume that this is just a, a lovely... <laughs> Uh, gesture from the Mambo Gaming yes. CEO to release this guy instead of trying to bargain for a buyout for him, which he is how a lot of these tier two orgs make their money. Right, and he probably had a bunch of offers from other teams uh, or, well, other bigger organizations, right? And yeah, I think like you said, uh, I know Call of Duty, we've seen some nasty stuff where the owner of a team like this would just hold on to this player for some insane buyout that would probably oh. fund their tier two organization for like four years. Uh, and uh, or of, uh, saw it with Messi. Messi? Yeah, saw it with Messi recently. Lionel Messi. Yeah. I mean, that's a little yeah. bit different. Uh, that'd be like, uh, <laughs> that'd be like if, uh, I don't know, LeBron James just like was like, hey, could you just like let me go so I could go to this other team? Like the Lakers probably wouldn't be like, yeah, sure. Here you go. Like, we love you. Thanks for being nice. Like, you were selling you a ton of money. Similar, similar money involved as well. Athlete like right now, like. Who? Messi. I don't, yeah, he's he up there. Be, I don't know. He's up there. I mean, like I said, so not up really. There with the Valorant pros. Yeah, up there with the Valorant pros <laughs> to a degree, but a similar we scenario. We did, and Messi. <laughs> Messi averages about six, making 600K a week. Mm. Well, yes. How's well, this Viper game? 650K. Yeah, Viper? That's crazy. Huh? That's like a Sinatra per week. That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Central is funded by Messi, and we don't know. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Yeah, I mean that's a very good point that you've you've put up though, Josh. In in terms of like this is just this it, it seems to be a very nice gesture. It's also very good that the org specified, you know, nothing, no bad blood, nothing untoward, nothing to do with any of the recent tier two. Uh, see, I don't know if we did actually he play games. Games, he has in a match yeah. fix. Yeah, exactly. But. It's a, it's a clean slate, and it's this is a thing that not a lot of orgs do. So you know, this is quite a good opportunity for for we did here. This is like if you read between the lines, this seems to indicate that we did is gonna join a tier one organization. Yeah. There's like yeah. no other reason, particularly that I can think of, that you would release somebody as a free agent if they didn't already have an offer to join like a top team. Otherwise, yeah. you just keep them around because Mamba Mo Gaming looked like they were actually getting through the tier two and starting to maybe get to a point where they could contest. Some I tier mean, one they were teams. they were winning a lot of tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, so, but these are like low level tournaments. Sure, with sure. Like but they were but they were complexity they, renegades. This kind of yeah. tier two. So yeah. they, they established themselves as like the ninth best team in NA by winning that last Pulse, uh, yeah. Pulse Arena tournament where they just Which, beat everybody in tier two. If you so. manage to get into the quarterfinals of the NA first strike, that's actually a really big accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that we did is leaving Mamba Mode, who have a good chance of getting to the quarterfinals and trying to go somewhere else. I, I'm assuming that this is going to be a big move. I'm assuming that this is like a 100 Thieves, a T1, a, a, a something, you know, like some oh, big organization. Yeah. Maybe not either of those two teams because those have already had rumored players that they're picking up, but you something of that kind of scale. Could be, yeah. Could possibly be. Let's talk about EU instead, though. The Hungarian player, BZT, as he's known. Uh, he's, he's come back to... Needs more DM. Uh, I, I mean, it's... Yeah, uh, an interesting change here because I assumed that for the reasons we just talked about, I assumed 
BCT leaving was for him to join a top tier team. Well, he was trying to. Yeah, he, but he, I, he, normally he, when players was... do that, they have something lined up, right? It's, it's uh, quite a big yeah. shift. Yeah, you would you would think. I mean, maybe he well, just. Well, sometimes, uh... for example, with I was it CNED, I think he left the full Turkish team because they were going to sign long-term contracts with their organization Mm. and he didn't want to sign long-term contracts. Now that doesn't really apply to need more DM because they aren't signing a long-term contract with with the the well-known organization need more DM. Hey, (laughs) if if it have been long-term, why not? (laughs) It might've been a difference of opinion though. I think what we were speculating at the time was that, um, it wasn't no. It wasn't at the time the information came out that the whole team wanted to sign as a team, and BZT didn't want that. I thought that was the Turkish team. Yeah, but was yeah, that the Turkish team? Was the okay, Turkish I'm team. sorry, for, I'm for mixing them, up yeah, he, them and he the had other, team. I think he just jumped the gun on saying that he was leaving the team because he was trialing for other tier one teams, gotcha. and then he didn't actually get picked up by any of them. Yeah. So now he's just. He actually back. tweeted that out. I'll put the tweet in here as well so that Kirk <laughs> can bring it up. But he literally yeah. tweeted that he. He uh, did try out for a few international teams, but the tryouts weren't successful. So he rejoined yeah. uh, Need More DM. Good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I can't remember the last time we saw Need More DM play a match. Was it 2002? It's, I, a it's been a while. It <laughs> so. was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to see uh, to see them perform. But again, need some tournaments. Uh, so. Oh, that's a cool profile picture. Is yeah. that? Kind of. Yeah. There it is. You should go for a similar aesthetic, to be honest, Matt. Yeah, I think I would look good in a uh, anime, uh, anime this uh, painting. This is an anime picture, anime. isn't it? I've been giving Brent advice on his Magic: The Gathering as well. He needs to play more lands. So I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've seen you coming into my streams, and you just you just spout nonsense, don't you? I mean, well, that's, what all, it, that's all it is when I hear about Magic. It's just nonsense, colors and. Uh, you know, lands, wizards, all that other bullshit. Yeah, it makes sense though that you you are the owner of a small kind of like showcase dog because yeah. you, right very here, similar here. personalities, just very yappy, small, need attention all the time. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, what? takes a lot of grooming in the morning. Yeah. I didn't hear you. <laughs> Me, God, these these fucking playground comebacks. Why is it? Can't no, hear I, you. Didn't hear, I didn't hear what you were saying. What'd Dog, you say? let's move on. NRG are apparently picking up a team. And I, I saw this announcement. Really? The first thing... Yep. Oh, NRG, I this. This, is, this went under the radar to a degree here. NRG <laughs> reportedly signing up, signing up a this couple of a, players. Yeah. Um, who are they picking up? Som, I think, is one of the okay. players, right? Don't yeah, it, it yep. was, yeah, it was a, uh, a report that came out on... Oh, damn, I can't even remember the website it where it came out. Uh, didn't they talk about it on the podcast with Hector and uh, Andy Miller? Um, I don't know. There was a interested. written report that came out this morning, okay. though. Or maybe it was late last yeah, this, night. This was, this was specifying players in terms of previous histories that they have together. Um, the names escaped me. It was on Som. Rush B. It right. was on Rush B Media by and Ryan Friend. He posted a report uh, saying that they're planning to sign um, Chet Singh, who was previously known as I'm a Pet. Yeah. Um, as their coach, or at least they're they're like reaching out to try and sign him, along with Daps and Som. That's that is a that, those are some two great pickups. I mean, I don't know too much about them in Valorant, obviously, because what do you, I mean? What do you go off the Twitch clips? But yeah. Som, uh, for the past couple of years, at least in CS, he was regarded as uh, like a real rising upcoming NA star. Kind of the classic story comes from FPL, plays the Pogs, he's sick in those. Um, and I can't remember what the first team he joined was. Maybe it was Envy. 
But I remember he had started off kind of slow when he when he first made his entry into the pro scene. People were sort of expecting to see like a you know another Stewie two K type situation, but he yeah. didn't really come in as as a real star right away. And it was actually when he started playing with Daps, who Daps is like a renowned, excellent NAIGL. He's constantly putting together these sick teams, and then he gets cut from them because he's not. I don't know. He's not super highly skilled as an individual. It's actually a, just a tragic story of this guy creating <laughs> insane teams for orgs and then getting cut. And he actually made the NRG team, but now is joining First, NRG. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but it was when Son was playing with Daps that he, he really started to show that he was uh, sure. as good as the hype that was around. Yeah, yeah it's him. interesting. So and- it, it's cool to see those two together in Valorant, and it's funny to see them on NRG because yeah. Daps put together the NRG team that is now EG with Cirque and mm. Tarek and it's, all those people. The interesting takeaway here, I think, the 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 the, um, the news that came as a surprise was Som um, going over from CS to Valorant because it, it appears at least I don't follow CS too closely, but it feels like Som was. Um, pretty much focused on CS. There was no indication that he was planning on leaving the scene. Whereas with Daps, yeah, he had made sort of oh. some indications, you know, from the teams he was leaving that he, you know, was around the possibility that he could have been moving over to Valorant. But it's so so interesting that NRG as well, another org, another major org, another player in the esports scene getting in around this time. And I can tell you right now, God, they must be kicking themselves. They could well, potentially get Sinatra to move over. I mean, I, I don't think so, because, like, if you look at uh, Andy Miller's kind of comments at the beginning uh, of Valorant, is like, they he pretty much said they were not interested, uh, and a lot of the reason why was because yeah. of the high player salaries, and they weren't sure, yeah. and then on the, uh, so they didn't announce the, uh, a roster on the newest podcast with him and Hector, uh, but they did talk about uh, Valorant, and just kind of uh, how they both wanted to see the scene play out, uh, and before they kind of got involved with it. And now that they've seen it play out, they kind of see like Riot is getting a little bit more hands-on involved. Yeah, uh, That's when they decided to make this happen. Uh, so I, I think yeah. you'll see this. I wonder, uh, they do have, uh, they do still have Asu under contract, who uh, yeah. he was like yeah. a, uh, he played CS, he played uh, Apex. He doesn't want to be a pro player, but. Yeah, I don't blame him, he, yeah. You know that would when... be a huge move in terms of like the popularity of the team, because yeah. there's right. so many people out there that just, want to see him play they want to see him play in pro matches and see if he'd be able to still hang at the top level and he's under contract with them so it's like if he had any inkling of it also it's like if you play if you kind of played professionally like maybe like just at the beginning of the game's life cycle does that help your kind of stream grow within valorant and content grow within valorant i mean definitely Uh, yeah. yeah, like kind of give you if that he, extra credibility, like bump. If he really wanted but, to, and it played with them as like a a fill in, if they just put together like a loose team for first strike, yeah, that, they would be immediately one of the most popular teams. You know, they've they've got two players oh, coming yeah, over from yeah. TS. They've got Asu, who's this enormous streamer. They might not do very well because they've kind of thrown the roster together at the last minute, uh, and maybe people's commitments would be in different places. But they'd immediately be incredibly popular. It would be like a great. Oh, they'd be like they'd be like one of the most popular teams, like right away. Yeah, yeah. At the same it's time, funny, Matt, I think you it's... say today. Sorry, Josh, go ahead. No, go on, go on, bro. No, go what on. I was going to say wasn't actually that important. Okay, what were you going to say? I was just going to counterpoint your thing about them saying, "Yeah, no, we're not, we're not too fussed about leaving Sinatra." Like, are oh, you fuck? Like, Sinatra is currently in terms of like his oh. social media following. Like, that's a guy you want to keep attached to your org for as long as humanly possible. Yes, but at the time, uh, 
it was probably Sinatra like, hey, you need to pay me this and then also pay four other people this and to coach this. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's a lot to kind of throw on somebody or an org and the money like straight away when you don't really know what it is. It's like it's almost like if Sinatra went to them and said, hey, give me like two million dollars. Like, like it's, it's literally the I, same cost. Like, I don't know. At the same time, though, they are picking up people who are current CS pros at like a decent level playing for Gen So it has G. to be so, somewhat. Ex- yeah, it's still got to be fairly expensive. So I find it strange that Andy Miller has been so public about saying that the the economics just don't add up. And then a month after like these very vocal comments, they now believe the economics do add up and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Sentinels are apparently a very highly played roster. If you believe the rumors, but a lot of those players were not the same level of Sinatra when yeah. they came into the team. It's not like you had to pay them ridiculous money because they are MVP caliber uh, players in another, this, uh, uh, another game. The salaries though are directly correlated to like how many teams like at that type of level are opening those spots, right? Like, Let's say they the players wanted to switch to Valorant, like, and there's not that many high-profile teams that can pay even close to like CS salaries, right? Like, you may not have to go into like the rumored areas of like where the Sentinels players and other players are being paid. Like, it's all kind of relative to how many like yeah. spots in those primetime orgs are open, right? I suppose so, yeah. But at the same time, at the beginning of a game, you would expect. I don't know. I feel like at the beginning of a game, you would have expected the salaries to be lower than they are. Now you, it's rare that salaries it, decrease. It would. It over would time. typically be lower at the beginning of the game, but you have to remember where this game started. This game did not start at a normal spot. Like, remember the Twitch numbers, like yes, during the, the beta, and like how ridiculous, ridiculous everything. The numbers yeah, were just true. like mental. That yeah. like there was no possible way you could have based like an evaluation off of like what a tournament would do at that time. Cause you have no idea. I mean, people were doing like a hundred K viewers on like their own individual stream. Yeah, like, true, and I, like how the f- you have no idea what a pro tournament looks like at that point. So I think it, it, it kind of needed a bit to come down to earth or just kind of like go to normal to see like now what an actual salary like is represented in the scene. Yeah, yeah. that's a very good point. Actually. I forgot that the, Twitch numbers at the beginning were just they were the they were absolutely roof. through the roof. I mean, what Summit had like 200k or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I mean, they were yeah. like they were like actually yeah. just mental. And, like, and that makes perfect sense because if that was the new normal, if that's what Valorant was really pulling in on a regular basis, you would be justified to play your players, uh, pay well, your players that, that kind of much because they'd be getting knew. that many eyes on your. That's all you knew because the yeah. game the game went away for a while, right? Like the yeah, game, no. it, it was like not a long time, but that's all you kind of had the numbers to base it off of. So. This is also, by the way, NRG signing this kind of team. This is another kind of big tier one uh, organization that you could see somebody like we did going over to. Like these are the kind of moves. And this is probably not going to be the last one of a bunch of big organizations. I mean, we were talking about Evil Geniuses earlier as well. These are the kind of moves that are going to be happening and not just in a normal kind of, oh, some orgs are trickling in one by one. These guys have a deadline. First Strike is having qualifiers in like, what, three weeks? So all of these teams are trying to get teams together within three weeks on at least short-term contracts. So the moves are going to be thick, fast, and rapid from now on. That that is a, I I don't know how I just totally missed that. That is a great, sorry, that is a great signing with uh, DAPS. I mean that's a, that's a real it, yeah it wasn't it wasn't on VLR or GG it's like this this was only on I think it was only just posted on HLTV oh, really? and it, it was, was yeah. some other website it was five hours ago it was oh, literally yeah, posted that's five it. hours that's ago why I missed it I wasn't around five <laughs> hours ago but yeah that yeah. that is a great signing 
Daps yeah. is a, I mean, that's, that is a, a, a long-term signing, right? That's somebody who will be able to put together a team for you now and adequately adjust the pieces of the team as time goes on. Yeah, um, NLG looking that is like a, a great signing. Looking like a major player coming forwards. Uh, well, let's move about how many miles away is Australia? <laughs> Matt, you should notice you're Australian. Uh, about uh, uh, 250. What? <laughs> I mean, that's not even like close to million. Uh, let's talk about the, the Oceanic scene because they've had a, a, a kind of, I suppose, like a minor tournament, a major tournament, but Exo Clan it was claiming a pretty the top major. spot. It was, wasn't yeah. it like a 50k tournament? Was it 50,000? 50 big ones? Let me, no, it was 50 not Gs? 50 uh, bands? It was Ignition Series. It was big. Um, it wasn't 50k really? big. I can't remember exactly. What was the money? Let me have a look. Josh, Where pull was it up. It? Uh, it was the Rise of Valor. It was 11k. Okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, a decent, yeah. a decent chunk <laughs> yeah. of change, regardless. In ignition series. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. it's only like 50 miles away for 50k. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Um, I'll be up front and say that right now. Did any of you guys watch it? Yeah, I watched yeah. the finals. Yeah, what was your general I watched a bit of the semis away? and the final. People definitely yeah. want to. I was reading some of the comments on uh, on the previous episode. People definitely want us to talk about the oceanic region a little bit more. Yeah, um, <laughs> just because it's a region that we actually haven't touched whatsoever. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's interesting to set out the context of like oceanic and the oceanic region in cs first because the oceanic region in cs as far as i'm aware uh, as somebody that just follows from the outside they had teams that were reasonably competitive normally better than the asian teams and certain players would get pulled out to play in na teams because they mm -hmm. speak english so did the na teams whereas you can't really do that for the rest of the world and the scene itself doesn't really have the it's got like an artificial ceiling on it because of the the ping problems and the fact that you yeah. are just literally miles away from everyone else so why would an organization ever want to sponsor a team in australia when you have to fly them a bajillion miles to get to any major tournament yes the, all the logistical challenges the fact that their internet is still just copper cabling it's like they yeah. don't have any real up-to-date uh, infrastructure when it comes to the internet things like that of a scenes that you could potentially scrim against, you are locked into essentially yeah. Australia and New Zealand in terms of your scrim partners because of the ping difference. It's not like Overwatch. In Overwatch, is a game where the actual lag compensation is pretty good. You can play on like 120 ping. It won't be fun, but you can play on it or like 150 ping, you can play on that. So in um, Overwatch, what you see is a lot of the Australian teams would scrim against Korean teams, teams in Japan, Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. There'll be a lot of cross-pollination with that. In games like this, where you need to be playing essentially on, like, even 100 ping is very much pushing it. You need to be I on... Mean, I, yeah, no well, one's going to yeah, do I mean, that. But I think in Australia, is, uh, you actually, it, from Perth to Sydney, from that kind of distance, crossing over, yeah. you're approaching almost uh, 100 yeah, ping. Australia is yeah. fucking massive. Like, these yeah, are all these is. limitations that are being set because of the oceanic region. So it is... Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see exactly how far they can come. And the, the big... The big showcase for me, or the big uh, the big point of which we, we're actually paying close attention to the Oceanic Oh, scene. this was such a sick yeah, play, actually. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. The big point, the big turning point, is going to be when there's these international tournaments, when mm -hmm. teams are playing against the other regions. Um, and that is going to be coming from Riot, hopefully injecting money into the scene and actually enabling a lot of these top teams to be able to go over and, and battle against other regions. And that's when you're hopefully going to see them actually go blow to blow and where you're going to get more eyes on the region as a whole. Like you mentioned, uh, Australia's internet is so bad. Obviously, uh, my wife's Australian, so she's and she like played games competitively like over there. That uh, the connection from uh, like 
Sydney or Melbourne or to Perth, like you mentioned, Bren, is so bad that you're just not able to do it, that they would just play on a local like Sydney server, like in the middle, or just try and find a server somewhere in the middle, but everybody's still at like 70, 80 ping. Yeah. Like playing in your own region. Like it's just like, yeah, it's brutal. The country, uh, yeah, that is absurd. People don't even, uh, people can't imagine how big Australia is because of the, uh, what is it, the Macadia projection of maps? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Macadia projection. Yeah. Where yeah. It, 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 it makes uh, America look like the, the greatest country in the world. It's like the fucking, the <laughs> big blob on a map when you're looking at it. Yeah. And Australia is this like tiny little thing to the side. And sometimes they don't even include New Zealand on maps. But the, the, the point is, what you, you could actually, I think, Kurt, can you find a, a picture on Google Images of Australia uh, or of the United States of America inside Australia and how it no, lines up? Well, it'd be, it would be the other way around. There's, the other way around? The, yeah, yeah. Australia is still not as big as the US, but it yeah, would take up a, a large amount of the US. Bro, find, find, find a thing for me. I'm pretty sure. Listen. The the my majority, knowledge, the majority can... of the reason that the ping is bad is because of the infrastructure. infrastructure. It's not yeah. literally just to do with distance. But anyway, to actually focus it on the Valorant for a second rather than the copper cabling throughout Perth. <laughs> look at this. Look how yeah, big look this that. fucking yeah. country is. People don't realize, yeah. dog. Yeah, it is, uh, it is enormous. I mean, the USA proper, when you consider the uh, area of it, also includes Alaska, of course. So, like, it, it dominates when it comes to, like, surface area. But when you think about like the the mainland area, they're very comparable. Yeah. Anyway, the the point that I was going to make is <laughs> when you actually look at the Valorant itself, it was pretty poor in my opinion. And the reason that I brought up the context of uh, where Oceania sits in CS is because I think in Valorant it's going to be very different because the Asian teams at the moment look better than the top Australian teams. When I was watching, uh, particularly the final, which I uh, sat down and tried to like really pay attention to between EXO and Team Launch. It seemed very scrimmy. Like it, it was like watching. It sounds too harsh, but it was like watching a Radiant ranked game. It, it, there was a lot of just running around, using abilities at um, you know intuitive times. Not nothing really particularly set up. No set plays between duos. This kind of stuff. All of the kind of development that we've seen in other regions didn't really appear to be quite there. Mm -hmm. in uh in australia and so i think it's going to lead to a very different dynamic because if you aren't the best outside of europe north america and brazil which as far as i'm aware australia is in cs they're like the fourth region i suppose it, it, at the moment in valorant it seems like they're maybe sixth maybe like fifth or sixth that's a, a very different place in the ecosystem mm -hmm. i would be interested to see how they go up against most of the Asian teams currently, because I, I do think that they were showing some impressive gameplay in terms of individual skill. I think, yeah, where the problem came in for me, I, I'm in agreement with you. It was very scrimmy. It, there was nothing, there was nothing to compare to other regions as set as what we'd see from vision strikers in Korea. But at the same time, they weren't playing a particularly aggressive style, uh, reminiscent of, uh, something we'd see in Latin America, right? Yeah. So they're at the moment, it looked to be they have some skilled players, but they just have not figured out a play style. And the players in the game, the, the yeah, the actual synergies between players and using the abilities at proper times, uh, it just was not there. 
Yeah, it was very individualistic. There yeah. the didn't seem to be as much team play as you expect from other regions. And even like even the very scrappy regions, like you could say uh, NA in the way that they build around their AWPers, um, the you could say Brazil in terms of how they kind of uh, don't really have much set play, but they're all pushing together. There, there are at least, you know, micro set plays between the players, and they're always looking to trade for each other and help mm -hmm. each other and this kind of stuff at the top level. Didn't seem to be there as yeah, breaking much. news. Oh, breaking yeah? News? There's a tournament on October 3rd. Really? What tournament? The LG face-off matchup. Team XQC versus Team the Tin the Tapman. Greek <laughs> God right. and Sheik Alive. It's saved! Is the show over? What, is, <laughs> what are you talking about? Wardell is playing in it. Shazam's oh, in it. Sinatra. I, I, okay, this is my pet peeve, actually. And I'll be on the I, third really dislike these streamer tournaments i know why they do them because they, do, like they do really well and they do well in viewership but i'm an elitist fuck so i only <laughs> i only want to watch like the pro scene i want to see storylines continuing from event to event to event i want to follow some sort of narrative instead of just a streamer a getting paid to play in tournaments uh, like, evidently just... uh there there it's a it's a promotion for the world's first 4k one millisecond response time monitor Yo, you're buying 4K at 100 you're literally hertz you're, you're helping the, sh the show match marketing here. <laughs> well, maybe they'll let us it's cast it. Pain. Maybe they'll let us cast it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we tweet us. them this thing. Yeah. Dog. Yeah. Okay. Us. Let's talk about Brazil. Paid to promote this. Yeah. Let's talk about Brazil yet, as our final topic instead of the show match. And that is Fusion Fraggers beating <laughs> No Walk 2.0 in Brazil. Once again, what, what do they say? I mean, the turntables, the table turns. The what tables have turned. Yeah. The turn of I, I the tables once again. I, I went through and I kind of, I mean, th this is notable because this Noorg team, Noorg 2.0, was just a, a mix of some other players that had played for some other teams, and they've only really played this tournament and won before. And they've gone six and one, beaten Fusion Fraggers B4. Oh, was this the best Bim of one World? tournament again? <laughs> no. Um, no, it wasn't. Yeah, this it was wasn't. actually like a GSL was, style this was a legit tournament. tournament. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, it seems like though. the group stages will be your one, right? But the uh, well, up until you got to the lower bracket yeah, final, yeah. but then it had like semis and grand finals and all all that good sick. shit. Yeah. So yeah, essentially, yeah, th this team is unknown. six and one. This brand new team is six yeah. and one with wins over Fusion Fraggers, B4, and Vimdo, who are like three of the top five teams, mm -hmm. um, and they have a bunch of interestingly uh, Overwatch contenders players from Brazil. Huh. Um, uh, I, I had no idea until someone, some Brazilian people were tweeting at me um, saying, oh, why aren't you talking about the Overwatch contenders players that are currently winning? And I was like, got to be honest with you, did not know that they were Overwatch contenders players from Brazil because I don't keep up with contenders anymore. Uh, I, I've spent Ole my time watching Valorant on, instead. Oh, uh, I played on, wasn't he on uh, World Cup for Brazil? Yeah, I think he was, yeah. Uh, I, think I, was I would have to double check that, but I think he was. He was the player yeah, no, that he... uh, rung the most... Yeah, he was 2018-2019, Overwatch Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, Sosin as well, who was uh, one of the players, and Muriz. So it's like three of the Brazilian World Cup team from 2019 are playing on this No Org 2.0. And they actually look like a, a really good team. I went and I watched the, um, the, the finals just now beforehand. I haven't had a chance to catch up on the semis yet. But they Fusion Fraggers have been winning a bunch of tournaments recently. They look like... You know, it, it's difficult to say one team is the best in the region, but they, they certainly have a chance to win every tournament that they're in. Was and Noor was looking pretty good. Like, they could be a rising talent. 
It's such an interesting region. You like you just don't really see this kind of back and forth between different teams. I mean, it's it's obviously we've we've talked about this a lot in terms of how um, disciplined it is on like the the evolution of the play in terms of set set plays, executes that sort of thing. It's it's still getting there comparatively to like EU or NA, but it is the region that is closely behind them. And it's so interesting that you've got so many of these teams that are taking wins uh, I, just against each other all the time. I'm getting even. I mean. I'm getting you, to the point. I, I'm not ready to fire? say yeah, but I, uh, I mean, saying that it's behind NA or EU, I don't know. You think what well, they're comparable on the same level? I think so. Yeah, I think at this point they are. I I've seen enough to feel, and I and I'm not going to say a hundred percent they're they're comparable, but I if they are behind, it is by so little Dude, i'm I mean, i'm backing you man's what, backing what, what we're seeing in brazil in yeah. terms of the play and some of the individual play yeah. the rifle skill insane, is actually. just fucking unreal they have it some is, yeah. unbelievably skilled players i yeah. i mean just on a different level like some of the people you you can see them you can just tell by the way that they play a a fight out it's like oh like i mean i literally said this to you verbatim but for instance on game landers the one player john I, while we were watching him, I just said to John, I was like, dude, John is different. I mean, there are players in Brazil that the way they play out the fights, their aim, it's just different. Mm -hmm. It's truly... The thing that I love level. about Brazil, um, sorry to cut you off, but the, 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 the thing that I really like about Brazil is um, how, you know, the pace at which Tens plays uh, Valorant, where he plays mm -hmm. um, really, really at such a high level, always keeping his opponents on their toes in terms of guessing how he's going to be playing. And he switches it up. He's not really too predictable. God, Brazil kind of feels like every player is trying to imitate that at, at times. Yeah. And it, it's like it, Sinatra. It's like that Sinatra yeah. thing where they're constantly spamming bullets, trying to get the most value out of everything. They're, yes. They're constantly yeah. trying to, you know, move around the map. And they're, they're not really, they're not playing slow for map control. They're not that strategic or tactical, although they'll still get value out of their utility and try and, you know, push and pull people around the map. But it's more about trying to get the most value you possibly can out of every second that you're alive. It's it's so interesting to look at Brazil as a region where none of us were really paying too close of attention to it. In fact, no. early on in Valorant, uh, early on in Valorant, we were mainly talking about regions like Korea, right? Because the uh, the the, or the already pre-established kind of um, history that Korea has with esports uh, and with League of Legends, especially and Riot Games, we kind of all had our eyes on that region being one to maybe upset and be a dominant force in in the overall uh, esports ecosystem. But I am so happy that Brazil has just come out. And honestly, in very similar fashions to how eSport games actually kind of rise up in, uh, in Korea, um, the same kind of system exists in Brazil, where they have PC cafes, the PC bongs in Korea, very similar in Brazil. The reason why Rainbow Six is a top eSports is because Rainbow Six was free on uh, PC mm. cafes in Brazil. It was like a free-to-play mm. game. They made it free-to-play. They intentionally pushed it super hard marketing-wise. That is the reason why, uh, reason why. And if you play your cards right with regions like this, and the fact that it's so closely related to CS, which already yeah. has a strong Enrique region, says. like Enrique. it all just comes together. And you've got this region that, like yeah. you're saying, Wyatt, they, they could be on the same level almost comparatively to NA and EU. Well, here's an exercise I want us to, to go through right now. Okay. Okay. We're going to take the top, like whatever, top 10 in NA, and we could even take like the old top 10 NA list where maybe you still have running yeah, games yeah. of complexity in there. And we're going to take one of the Brazilian teams that we've watched quite a bit, which is Fusion Fraggers, who are certainly, I think you have to put them in like the top three Brazil, at yeah. least, right? Yeah, I would and, agree. And, and they're, they're 
a pretty consistent team. They have some insane players, Crane, FC, KK. All right. So if we go through the list of NA teams in the top 10, and obviously the, the Pulse Arena happened, so I'm kind of going off an old mental list, but like, okay, if you compare Fusion Fraggers to Complexity or Renegades, Fusion Fraggers 100%, right? And then I if think you, so, yeah. And then if you go to number eight, I'd put T1. I think Fusion Fraggers win that. Yeah. All T1, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably. Uh, and then, I mean, who would you have at seven? Then you start getting, it's a bit more interesting. Maybe you have Dignitas there, but it's hard to say with Dignitas. Is yeah, I mean, if we go off the uh, VLR WG sure. rankings oh, here, as well, okay, just for yeah. an example, here you've got Sentinels, I mean. TSM, Cloud9, Gen.G, Envy, Immortals. I think the cutoff point would maybe be Immortals, but even then, I'd... Yeah, even then, I mean, it's, it's Immortals and Envy before you're even having a discussion about whether the NA right. teams are better than the top Brazilian teams. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. So that's what, I mean, so when you're saying comparable, it's, I mean right there and that's and that's just fusion fraggers i mean yeah. they're and it's obviously so up and down like game landers are still ranked at number one on this interesting yeah. i mean they uh yeah they've just i think it's just from a lot of that early now, history and yeah. there's so yeah. many tournaments in brazil all the time that they you know yeah. you can have these you can see here from the chart here where the rating system is calculated you can have these dips but ultimately you know it just is going to yeah. be going up there are, I actually went through this earlier on because I was interested because I keep saying to myself, oh, well, Brazil is just all over the place. Like all of these top teams are beating each other all the time. And so I went through each of the teams and I wrote down their win rates. I wrote down who they actually had wins over and whether they had won tournaments, like their placings in tournaments as well. And to me, there's like six teams that clearly step up above the rest when you use this metric of like their their win percentage, which big teams they've actually beaten, et cetera, et cetera. And you've got, I mean, this no org two who are at the second place there is a bit of an outlier because they've only, they're, they're six and one because they're like a brand new team, but they have yeah. beaten three of the top five teams. So that's, yeah. you know, they're looking good. But outside of that, it's like Game Landers, Fusion Fraggers, B4, Vimdolol, who are now called uh, like Badorants or something. <laughs> and then Team One are all on a level where if they come into a tournament, they have a chance to be able to win that tournament. And they the difference between them is very close and i think comes down more to like styles and who beats who yeah. rather than um, any large-scale differences between the strength of the teams uh, and that's that's a real depth when you compare that to something like um like korea for example with vision strikers vision strikers are dominating that region yeah they haven't they haven't lost a bo3 in i i think since they began and like Absolute Jupiter are just dominating Japan. I, the depth is not there in Asia right now. Uh, and it doesn't appear to be there anywhere in these other minor regions apart from Brazil, where it is there in buckets and spades. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, I think that's a great ending as well to this episode as well, just highlighting a lot of the top play. Brazil set the scene, set the narratives up as well for the uh, for the first strike events as they're occurring across the globe. You never know. This, this show needs a Brent's Player of the Week. I mean, we're not up to that point yet. Maybe once we do yeah, the rebranding, which we decide on being next well, week. Or like a Bren's, uh, Bren's clip of the week. Like possibly, maybe yeah. a Bren's I mean, play of the week. We might get to that point eventually. search through it. Maybe. Yes, maybe. We might get to but that point. But you hyped all these people up with more production value. The, the trouble is the, the style of this podcast compared to Plat Chat, my, my, it's quite endearing when I come in eating food and just looking like I'm hungover. Yeah. But in this one, I feel like I actually have to put some effort in. So I, I kind of like... I don't and know. Don't it's also, it's also much. Play. Yeah, it's also does much. It, does, it fit that... the, does it fit the the dynamic? <laughs> Fuck you guys. Anyway, the, 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 <laughs> the plat chat as like when we do plat chat, we usually have like you know 
matches that we've been able to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this one was very much like, like theory crafted. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for yeah. watching Cultural Kick episode 12. Uh, if you liked it, like, subscribe, read a comment, write a comment, do whatever you want. Honestly, I don't really care as long as it gets the engagement numbers up. Uh, and we are going to be going as, as well, a casual reminder to all of you. This podcast will be moving to a new channel in the near future with a ton more Valorant content that's going to be accompanying it. Um, and we actually are just going to be changing the name as well just to Platchat Valorant just for consistency's sake. Uh, sake. So you've got that to look forward to in the near future. It's been a pleasure recording this podcast. I feel like I have to be very formal now. Boots and tie. And uh, we'll see you next week. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure.